0: This week on Punch Mountain, this is the fictional story of seven strangers picked to live in a village, fight off bandits together, and have their lives filmed. It's the real world 16th century Japan. Chop off your daughter's hair because we're watching The Seven Samurai
1: Punch Mountain starts now. Welcome to Punch Mountain, the podcast where we review action movies one by one to discover the definitive ranking of action movies. Not determined by us, but by the action gods themselves. We don't make the mountain; we just climb it. My name is Mac Blake, and I'm joined, as always, by the battle-tested warrior. However, a Ronin, a master of samurai, Mr. David Hara. <laughs> Hello, David Hada, How are you? I- I've settled on okay, pretty much. How are you, Mac? Uh, I'm doing good, David. Uh, But yes, we're talking about Seven Samurai on this episode, which this is kind of a first for us, David, because of, of all the action movies that we have talked about, this is the first movie we've talked about that's like supposedly like real good. Like this thing's on the fucking sight and sound pole. This is going to be our first attempt at
0: Capital C Cinema, and it is so intimidating and overwhelming. I, I think we're going to do just fine. This is going to be our 30th episode. Uh, this is going to be the end of our Mountain Slayers run. Mountain Slayers. So let's just go out like a like a samurai. Let's just get sliced in half.
1: Yeah, because usually the movies we talk about are more kind of like capital M movies, and then I occasionally like to watch capital P pornography. But David, <laughs> this is, this thing is like a, a classic of the genre, and the genre being moving images, I guess. This movie came out when? 1954. Yeah, and, and instructed by of course uh, Akira Kurosawa, who I do not associate with action movies. Like I associate him with samurai movies and movies that get turned into westerns or star wars. David, have you seen any uh, Akira Kurosawa films? I've seen a few. I I've managed to avoid the main samurai one, so
0: this is actually this will be my first time watching The Seven Samurai. I haven't seen Throne of Blood, haven't seen Yojimbo, but I have seen Ikiru, which is one of the most heart-wrenching movies you'll ever see. Uh, I've seen Rashomon, I've seen a couple others, but uh I've stayed away from the big-time tentpole Akira Kurosawa movies because, for me, they always felt like homework. It's just, You know, at a certain point, the fact that it's an international movie, the fact that it's over three hours long, the fact that it's almost 70 years old, all that stuff kind of factors against you when you're just hungover and kind of want to watch something in the background. So I've avoided this one for a very long time. So thankfully, you know, we did present this in the context of hey maybe it is an action movie it's certainly an action movie it is one of the pioneers of the genre isn't it an amazing action movie i'm not so sure but uh, i had a heck of a time watching this one how about you mac what are, what are your first thoughts uh going into the seven samurai
1: also surprised i have not seen it before i mean i've seen yojimbo i've seen rashomon and a movie that is this good how come i never watched it and then when I sat down to start watching this thing, I saw its runtime and I was like, three and a half hours, fuck this. And then I was like, oh, there it is. So I think that is why I never started this before is because I didn't have a clear afternoon, I guess. But David, I'll occasionally check other best action movie lists. Oh, they're just the, just the dregs. And I found a couple pretty decent lists. I don't remember what their source is right now, but both of them had Seven Samurai ranked pretty highly. And I think one of them had it as the best action movie of all time. And with older movies, it's like, okay. I mean, look at the action in Dirty Dozen, that final giant fight scene versus like Punisher Warzone. Like the actual execution of a shooting in Punisher Warzone may be more thrilling, right? That's just how movies are are made these days, even though Dirty Dozen might be a better movie. Which one's higher? Let me check them out real quick. I'm just going to look up at it. Oh, God, the golden letters are extra bright today. Okay, Punisher Wars is actually higher. That makes sense, I guess.
0: It's more of an action movie. It's not a better action movie, but it's more of an action movie.
1: Well, that's kind of my point where I'm getting to is I did not necessarily expect the action itself in this movie to be anything spectacular. So I was like, okay, well, we got we to gotta see how this thing plays out. But a movie with this kind of pedigree, I mean, who knows? 1954, you know, it may still... Feel fresh. Hell, we just did Road Warrior. That movie is years old, and uh, there's a lot of action in that that still feels very fresh. But yeah, David, I mean, sometimes when people say like, "Oh, this is the best action movie," yeah, I don't know what the, whether or not to trust it because, like, in that Sight and Sound poll, I think Jazz Singer, if it wasn't on this last one, it's been on there before. Mm-hmm. That movie sucks. Yeah, it's just the fact that it's like the first movie with sound. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, great, we have a movie with audio finally," and it's fucking racist because there's a dude in blackface. You're giving it its uh, place on your list. Because of something that does not have to do with the story the movie is telling. And that's what I care about, David. I care about uh, story, and I care about uh, fighting. And explosions on occasion, punch, 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 kick, kick, kick. And David, I care about animal cruelty. I am for it. No, (laughs) (laughs) I don't. So let's talk about the wuss warning. Uh, Hey, wusses, this movie's for you. There are no moments in this movie to make wusses cringe. There is a horse that falls over, but then a second later, it runs away. So you're fine. But I mean, this is before I think the... Uh, I don't know what the animal trade union is that supervises unsaid animals, but I don't think they're around during the filming of Seven Samurai. But don't worry, wusses, no glue is made in this movie. Before we go any farther, David... I think it would help to clear up some common questions. If you search Seven Samurai on Google, the results include these frequently asked questions, so we will do some quickly provided answers. David, why is Seven Samurai considered so good? Because you're only asking old people. Mac, what is the message of Seven Samurai? Farmers can't be trusted, kill them all. David, what is the American remake of Seven Samurai? It's the
0: 80s movie and TV show called Fame. Mac, is Seven Samurai the greatest film ever made?
1: Uh, is Seven Samurai Japanese for Lego Batman? Then the answer is no. <laughs> i gotta stop <laughs> <laughs> laughing at my own jokes that's really just killing the mojo of the show hey david before we watch seven skilled samurai warriors get busy preparing farmers for combat let's check in with two friends who are busy preparing marios for carding it's a friendship check in our friendship david how are you
0: i'm doing quite well i have nothing i'm overwhelmed by life and the week this is my respite this is my i'm pulling in t- to have a pit stop a brief uh, three hours where I'm going to talk about The Seventh Samurai, so uh, this is the highlight of my week, buddy. How, how are you doing these days?
1: I'm good, David, but I have something to say to you, which is somebody got a haircut. <laughs> I did. David, are you still cutting your own hair?
0: I am. There was, okay, so I've been cutting my hair for the most part.
1: Just insane. <laughs> Since eighth grade, so I know how to do it.
0: And it's also not very hard. It's not like I have like, you know, magazine quality hair. I just keep it off my ears. But there was, when I moved to Denver, I was like, you know what, I'm making decent money. Let me just go get a haircut from someplace. And the first time I walked into a place, they messed it up so bad that I almost started crying. It was, you know, I'm in a new city. I'm like, I'm not wearing hats anymore. I'm not relying on that stuff. I'm gonna get a haircut and I'm gonna walk around proud of myself. I sat in that
1: chair and as soon as I heard the
0: zzz, like closer to the top of my head than I wanted, oh man, it was heartbreaking.
1: I've gotten a haircut before where, I called a friend on the way home and I was like, meet me at my house. I need you to get rid of this mullet they gave me. Well, David, you're being too modest because first of all, you have a luxurious head of hair and your haircuts have always looked very fresh and neat. When you told me that you cut your own hair, it blew my fucking mind. I would never cut my own hair. That seems like the equivalent of me. Like, hey, instead of water, I think I'm going to hydrate myself with gasoline. That kind of like, don't do that, Mac. Like that. that's how I would view performing my own haircut. I actually got a haircut uh, within the last seven days as well, David. Oh. Yeah, it was bothering me. But the thing is, is I I used to go to this one person to get my haircut, but she's out of the haircut game for mm. kind of wacky reasons.
0: January 6th.
1: You know what, David? I will not rule it out, but I've been between barbers just kind of like, you know, oh, and who, who at this uh, local Austin shop can fit me in tomorrow? And it ended up being this like really kind of larger dude who cut my hair. And I don't know what this guy's deal was, but I just kind of felt like shoved around a little bit. Oh, no. I feel like he was boxing me out to try and get a rebound. I okay. just feel like bodied at times. I just I was like, hey, man, like um, you're real close or something.
0: Was there a lot of jostling? Like Was he grabbing your head and, and moving it where
1: he wanted it? He was pushing my head lightly, which hmm. a, a little, even, even a light push, David, still a push, did not care for it. But David, something else I did not care for. This is our first podcast we're recording after the news that Ray Stevenson, star of Punisher Warzone. And the main bad guy in RRR, Mm -hmm. he died. Did you hear that news, David? I did. This is going to be
0: our first mountain loss, I think. This was, if this makes any sense, I was heartened to see the outpouring of emotion from it. Like, because it's only when someone like Ray Stevenson dies that you find out or realize how many different roles he had, how many different people he's worked with, how many lives he's touched. So, like, yeah, it was really kind of awesome to see people and an outpouring of support for Ray Stevenson.
1: After the year that David Bowie and Prince died, there was kind of a pushback against people like mourning the death of famous people online. Mm-hmm. Like, God, I, I wish people would stop making these celebrity deaths about themselves. But a lot of these people being discussed are artists in one way or the other. Through their art, even if that art is Punisher War Zone, sometimes artists are lucky enough to make a connection with people. And so, you know, when the celebrity dies that you felt connected to a story they told, why is that such a bad thing? I don't think it's like attention grabbing to be like, hey, I am sad about this person who I do not know. I'm sad about their passing. And yeah, maybe because we just recently watched Punisher Warzone, you know, when he died, it was like, oh, Ray Stevenson, like it hurt a little, which was weird. I mean, no offense to Ray Stevenson, because I don't know him. But like, yeah, I didn't expect to uh, feel the loss of Ray Stevenson like that. The fact that this guy who's played like a tough action hero, when they came to make Thor... Like, hey, uh, Ray Stevenson, do you want to play a dude who in the comics is just famous for being like a really huge fat guy who can't stop eating? And he's like, yeah, man, sign me up. <laughs> Could you ever see like The Rock even like 40 years from now doing that? I cannot. For sure. Again, I don't know Ray Stevenson. but It just seems like that dude from what people are saying was a good guy. And I hope heaven has a war zone, David. You do? Look, Dave, let's say some devils go up to heaven. What are we going to do? Put them on trial? No, they must. the guilty must be punished. Oh, that sounds like an awesome Ray Stevenson movie. Yep, it would have been. Ray Stevenson, R.I.P. Rest in punishment. There it is. Okay, David, is it time to journey to feudal Japan? Max, sharpen your sword. We're going in. All right, David, for people who have never seen The Seventh Samurai before, uh, not the movie The Samurai, uh, or maybe people that need a refresher, can you level set by giving the back of the box description? What release? And if the answer is yes, which I hope it is, David, what release (laughs) are you uh, reading the description from?
0: This is going to be from the Criterion release because I found some older releases that went a little too hard. So I'm just going to play it safe with this one.
1: Now you mountain heads listening to this, you might be like, oh, is this your first movie that you guys have done that has received a Criterion release? I know for a fact it's not, David, because as you know, The Rock received a Criterion release, Michael Bay's The Rock. So here's my question to you, David. Does anything matter?
0: (laughs) Not nearly anymore. No, not at all. Set us up here. A Desperate Village hires seven samurai to protect it from marauders in this crown jewel of Japanese cinema. No other film so seamlessly weaves philosophy and entertainment, delicate human emotions, and relentless action. Featuring Japan's legendary star, the great Toshiro Mifune, Akira Kurosawa's The Seven Samurai is an inspired epic, a triumph of art, and an unforgettable three-hour ride. 1954, 207 minutes. Directed by Akira Kurosawa, no
1: rating. Oh my God, David. I was just about, I had my gold medal out. I was blowing the dust off it. I'm like, here we go. The best back of the box description I've ever read. And then they blew it with the last three words or maybe two because it's hyphenated. (laughs) Don't tell people it's three hours. I'll tell you what, it didn't feel like it,
0: (laughs) but it's something you have to prepare for. Like I watched this on a Sunday evening because there's no fucking way I was watching this on a Friday night. So yeah, like you need to plan accordingly.
1: You might say, well, if you don't say three-hour ride, they'll still figure it out, they being the audience, because it says 207 minutes. Uh, (laughs) uh, no, I don't think so. Yeah, people are getting dumber every day. Yeah, this ain't a math country no mo. Okay, you know what I mean, guys? All right, David, how's this thing start?
0: This thing's going to start with a lot of credits, maybe about four minutes worth. Very stylized credits, and we also learned that Toho put this out. They also put out Godzilla
1: movies. David, I don't know what version you watch, but the version I watch, you know, it would have the Japanese characters on there. And then it would say, like, starring Toshiro Mifune, directed by Kira Kurosawa. But then it stopped translating. I guess we don't need to know the other, who's the cinematographer? Fucking we don't care, says the movie. This is why you
0: unionize. This is what WGA are fighting for now, so that those middle people can get credit in international releases.
1: I wish those greedy writers would stop, okay? I was speaking to my friend John Netflix. That's right, the founder of Netflix the other day. Wow. I had to Venmo that dude just so he could... Buy some bread, David.
0: Man, things haven't been the same since he got rid of discs. You know, hard times. But Mac, from the opening credits, we're going to open in 16th century Japan and a farming community that has been decimated by bandits and an endless cycle of pillaging. Mild-mannered farmer Rikichi, played by Yoshio Shushia, has had enough and seeks the advice of the wise old man Gesaku, played by Kokuten Kodo, who recommends the farmers hire samurai to protect their community. The search does not go well at first until the farmers witness a daring rescue by Kanbei Shimada, played by Takashi Shimura, the farmers may have their first samurai. So Mac, this thing's gonna be over 200 minutes long. It's gonna be three and a half hours. I'm gonna blaze through a lot of it. This is gonna be essentials only, but uh, this is gonna be the first real chunk of the movie where we open on the village, we meet the farmers. They have been beaten down year after year. It is like it is like a village of the Washington generals and they've had enough of it. And so they're finally like, well, what are we gonna do? We need to stand up for something. So this is this is how we meet them.
1: Yeah, the bandits come and they're like, hey, let's let's raid this village. And one of the bandits is like, wait, didn't we just raid them? The barley's not even ready yet. And the bandits are like, oh, good call. We'll come back. And so the villagers are like, oh, no. And the villagers, the farmers, David, they're doing what they do best in this movie, which is moping. They're so good at just like sitting and moping. It's a real mopa palooza. It's a real showcase for moping. I just got to say. Uh, if you're a, if you're a fan of moping, this movies for you, David. I don't talk about it as much as I used to in the podcast. But uh, as everyone knows, I'm an alpha. David is a fellow alpha. Watching the watching these betas just not even talk about fighting back. How, how did you feel about it, David? It made me so mad.
0: It did. I was like, is this going to be the whole movie? We're just going to have to hold their hand through this? But then we meet Rikichi. Rikichi is going to be played by Yoshio Shushia. He's going to finally stand up. He's had enough, and he's like, we'll kill him. But then there's the counterpoint to our uh, pal Rikichi. This is going to be Yohei, who's going to be played by and Hidari. He's going to be this older man. Mac, okay, so throughout our run of Punch Mountain, I've made reference to Webby from DuckTales, the character who gets in the way of everything, is just a whiny baby, getting him into more trouble than, than she's worth. We're going to go ahead and retire Webby from here on out. This is going to be Yohei's territory, because Yohei is maybe one of my least favorite characters in the history of cinema.
1: <laughs> I'm going to do a punch-up real quick, David. In the movie's opening credits, we see Yohei, a tiger eats him, and then we keep going with the movie. I don't, are tigers even indigenous to Japan? I don't think they are, David. So that's a that's an idea for a sequel, too, that <laughs> Kurosawa could have had that. How'd that tiger get here? Yohei fucking sucks. And the worst part about Yohei is he makes this, like, despair face most of the movie. He looks like Gollum. It just, ugh. He just bothers me so much. The villagers outnumber these bandits easily. How many bandits are there? I know there's at least, was it 20? Or is it 20 and then another 13, 33?
0: 33, yeah. 33 in total.
1: Okay. But the idea of fighting back does not occur to these villagers. But they're like, you know what? You know what we should do? Let's go talk to the old man. Oh, David, this scene was weird, right? Because we're looking at a culture in a different time where people uh, value their elders. David, I don't know about you, but I see someone over 60. I want to shove them down a well. It's just like, hey, uh, let's go talk to the old man. Right away, this is a punch up. Completely unrealistic (laughs) that this old man has used his years of life to gather wisdom and to think things beyond just having an initial sort of like knee jerk reaction. Completely unrealistic, David, because as we know, our elders in this country, we just uh, you live long enough to just you pick up as many stereotypes. and You never let them go.
0: But in this fictional case, the old man actually makes sense. He says, you know, you need to go and hire samurai. And everybody's like, well, we don't have anything to offer them. Like, we, it, it makes no sense. We're just going to bring these, these brutes in here to defend us.
1: When they say that, like, look, all we can offer these samurai is food. What's his advice?
0: Well, he says, go find some hungry samurai. He even says, well, bears will come down from the mountains if they're hungry enough. So, you know, if, if all you've got is rice, find someone who that's good enough for. But you're going to need to hire samurai. I was a kid and I saw it with my own eyes when, you know, when my previous village got torched. I remember when the only village that didn't get torched was the one that hired samurai. I'm telling you to go hire
1: samurai. So four villagers go to the town to look out for some samurai. And these villagers are Rikichi. He's the hothead. We don't know why he's so fucking hot under the collar, but Rikichi's, you know, he's, he's definitely like kind of cranky. And there's also Yohai. That guy fucking sucks. And then there's two guys, two more guys. One is Monzo, and then who's, I don't even know who the fourth guy was. It doesn't even matter.
0: Mosuke, yeah, Mosuke is just there to pair with Monzo, really.
1: But as slow-paced as this movie is, David, when we see the farmers in the village, we see them like after they've already been like rejected by a samurai. And we kind of have to like piece that together. And I was like, oh dang, <laughs> okay, movie. So you're going to be at a pretty reasonable pace, but also three hours long, I'm in for something here. Uh, But they're staying at this, like what, like a hostel?
0: A hostel, a hotel? I don't know. It's just this, it might be the YMCA because it's community living. It's the dregs of society just hanging out with our four travelers, hanging out with drunks and gamblers and stuff like that. This whole chunk can go because it's really just, it's scene after scene of our four farmers just getting heckled by like this homeless Statler and Waldorf who just keep making fun of them every step of the way. I, I I don't like them at all.
1: They're filthy, these grimy dudes making fun of the villagers, and they're just jerks. And of course, what do the villagers do? Classic mope position. They're just like moping around, staring off in the middle distance. So one day, the these four losers are out and about, and they're talking about how they're going to lure the samurai. I think Monzo, or somebody's saying like, I don't think we're going to catch a lot of samurai just with his fucking rice. And Rikichi's like, oh, yeah, you prepared to give him your daughter, Monzo? And I was like, whoa, out of line, Rikichi. <laughs> but look, we find out a little bit more about Rikichi later on, why he's such a fucking crank ass, right? As our, the four villagers are out and about, there's like a commotion This like very like sort of, you know, I don't know how like stoic wise, he just seems to be like very sure of himself. This uh, samurai just like sits down, you know, very carefully, like puts his sword down and He's trading clothes with a monk and they're shaving his head to look like a monk's head. And I was watching because my feral wife and she's, you know, barking at the TV because she thinks there's people in there. Mm-hmm. But she goes, Are we supposed to know what's going on here? And I go, No. And the next beat, the character goes, What's going on? Which, <laughs> <laughs> that happens to me so often where I'm like, Who's that guy? And then a character on screen will go, Who's that guy? And I'm like, God damn it. Uh, so the fact that someone else did it, I didn't like want to dunk on this person, but it made me feel good like, Hey, all right, I'm not alone out there.
0: It's it's not unfounded at all, and it really is, because I was chalking it up, I felt the same way, I was chalking it up to cultural ignorance, because I'm watching this, unfamiliar with what's going on, and piecing it together thinking, oh, this must be some rite of passage, maybe he's shamed, like making up a whole other story in my head, when I really just had to watch the movie, and they'll explain what's going on. He's going to dress up like a monk, he's shaving his head, because he's going to try to lure uh, a thief out of a shed who was, who's gone into hiding. He kidnapped a little kid and uh, he's hiding there. So uh, this is how we're going to meet Kanbei. This is how we're going to meet our first samurai. He's going to hatch this plot to rescue this kid, this kid, by the way. So we hear the screams of the child who's been kidnapped in this, uh, in this shed. It sounds like this, this poor baby has been crying all night. It, it's struggling to cry anymore. And then we find out this baby's seven years old and it, yeah, I don't know if I'm if I'm rooting for this uh, for this plan anymore.
1: What's going on in 16th century Japan? But a lot of cooks, a lot of cooks <laughs> out there. This, this kid's destined to be one of them. But no, the thief comes out of the shed and he's like arched his back because we didn't see it. But I guess a killing blow has been delivered onto him by Kanbai. And the old, you know, Kanbai's like, "Yeah, well." You know, they give him a couple of rice balls. and He's like, hey, happy to be of service. And he's off.
0: This is going to be Kanbei's plan. He's going to execute it to perfection. This is going to be my first markout moment. I didn't quite know what to expect with this movie in terms of the action. Like, what is an action sequence or what is an action scene actually going to look like? So in this scene, Kanbei pretends to be a monk. He charges into that shed. The thief comes stumbling out. I, I was very into it. So I marked out. This is going to be my first one. Kanbei's heroics are going to attract the attention of some followers. So let's see, we've got our four farmers, and then we also have a rich young dandy named Katsushiro, played by Isao Kimura. And then we got another hothead named Kukichio, played by Toshiro Mifune. After Kanbei agrees to be the leader of our samurai, the recruitment process to find more samurai begins. The cunning and personable Gorobe, played by Yoshio Inaba, is recruited first, followed by an old pal of leader Kanbei's named Shichiroji, played by Daisuke Kado. Together they recruit two more samurai, Master Swordsman Kiyuzo, played by Shijimayaguchi, Miyaguchi, and lovable scamp Hihachi, played by Minoru Chiaki.
1: So let's talk about Kanbai first. He's going to be our leader. So we'll call him Captain Kanbai. And when he's walking down the road, Katushiro comes up to him. And Katushiro, he's like a young, attractive dude. And he's like, uh, I want to be your disciple. Teach me. And Kanbai's like, the fuck are you talking about, dude? He's like, you are, so you handle that so well that, I mean, let me, like, learn from you. Let me be your attendant. And he's like, nah, man, I'm a ronin. I'm a masterless samurai my entire life. Yeah, I fought a lot of battles, but I'm always on the losing side of him. I forbid it, dude. I mean, like, look, I'm very appreciative, but no. And then this other guy, Toshir Mufuni, who we don't know his name at this point, like, rushes up. He's, like, just about to talk to Kanbai, and then he never fucking says anything. Okay. And then kind of same thing with our farmers. like, hey, we need to talk to him now before he gets to the village because it'll be harder to talk to him. And then I guess they walk for, I don't know, an entire goddamn day and don't say a word to him. God, these fucking farmers spit it out.
0: And it's not like they're stuck in traffic either. They're walking maybe 20 steps behind him from one village to the next.
1: Hey, man, just shout at him. They finally catch up with Captain Combine, the farmers, that is. And they give him the pitch. Like, you know, they, they explain what's going on. And he's kind of like rubbing his chin. At first, he's like, man, I don't know. It's not for me. But here's the problem with Captain Kambai. He's a good dude. He's solid goddamn gold. And so there's no way he can turn this down. And I think he's got a little bit of... You know what? Fuck it. I know he's got a little bit of a problem-solving mind here. Like the way he sets himself to properly defending the village once he arrives. And so his strategic mind, maybe this just seemed like too juicy a peach to let go. Because he starts thinking about it. And he's like, "Uh, we actually... To do this, you'd need uh, seven samurai, in fact. Oh no, David, here we go.
0: But I'll tell you what, Mac, this acceptance of Kambay, you know, to to agree to be the captain of the samurai, it's great. Because like you said, the farmers offer him very little. They say, all we have is rice. We'll offer you as much rice as you can eat. And even then we're kind of lying to you. And then those goddamn hostile drunks they're like, ah, you know, they're going to eat millet, they're gonna, which I had to look up, but I guess millet is like this cereal that's not very good for you.
1: I had to look it up too, David. Millets are a highly varied group of small seeded grasses, widely known around the world as cereal crops or grains for livestock and human food. It seems to be inferior quinoa, David, is the best way that to describe it.
0: Yeah. So like the, the drunks are saying this as though it's a bad thing. They're like, oh, they're giving you rice while they eat millet. That's how pathetic and poor they are. But Kambay sees this as, wow, they're willing to do all this just to get some samurai. So I'm in. So immediately Kambay has endeared himself to the audience. I'm really into this.
1: Captain Kambay allows rich kid Katushiro because Katushiro is like basically he's the son of a rich landowning samurai. But this guy, like, you know, he's like set out in the world to prove himself because he's just a punk. He doesn't no anything. He's basically looking for like a summer internship uh, to go back and like prove that he's like a man to his dad, I guess. And Captain Kanbai allows Katsushiro to help out, but he hasn't really, like, told him he can be part of the team yet. And so they're like, all right, well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to run this test operation to recruit samurai. And it'll basically tell us, like, who's a good samurai warrior, who's worth their salt, and then who fucking sucks. What is this test, David?
0: Uh, This test is uh, one of the farmers, or Katsushiro, is going to hide off to the side of the entryway. And so they're going to invite a samurai in, and they're going to whack him with a stick thinking that if the samurai is good enough, he's going to avoid getting whacked with the stick. This is ridiculous, but I love it.
1: It kind of weeds out some crab asses too. Cause this one guy walks in, Katsushiro's like, you know, he's going to clock him with the the log and the samurai sees it in time and stops him. He's like, Hey, what the fuck? And Captain Kamba is like, Hey man, it was just a test. Sincere apologies. Look, I'm happy to talk to you. We just had to make sure you knew what was going on. And the guy's like, how fucking dare you? And he leaves and it's like, okay, well, that guy's a prima donna. He wasn't going to fight for rice.
0: But then you have on the other side of that coin, that's how we're going to meet Gorobe. Gorobe is going to get invited into the shed. He's going to have to pass the same test. But before he walks through the doorway, he senses someone there. And he's like, surely you jest. And again, that's a really great way to meet this character too. Because like, okay, he's no dummy. He's no hothead. He lights up a screen. I really, you know, I really loved watching Yoshio Inaba in this role. So this was a good way to meet Gorobe.
1: Yeah, Goro Bay, man, he is like the, he becomes kind of like the second in command. I'm going to call him the glue guy. All right. Cause this guy like knows like what builds a good team. He knows how to hold it together, but he's also no slouch. I mean, but he's also like, you know, he's nice. Like the fact when he, he noticed he was about to get clocked instead of being like, fuck you, bitch. <laughs> instead, he was like, ah, uh, you guys are pulling my leg. I'm not going to walk in there. You're going to dunk me on the head. And Captain Kambai is like, I like it your style, my man. But David, these fucking farmers, again, they're just, uh, they're like so, I don't know, stupid? Of uh, the worst? Yeah, they're the fucking worst. Because already like Monzo is like scared now. He's like, oh no, if these villagers come though, we better hide our women. It's like, oh why? Because you think these samurai warriors are going to be rapists or something? Basically, no, David, he's afraid that just there's there's too many studs in town with these samurais. You know, the, the women won't be able to resist these. He's hot, hot samurai studs.
0: But the old man has a really good line here. He's He can't believe that he's hearing this from Monzo. And he's like, hey, man, bandits are coming, you fool. Your head is literally on the chopping block. And all you could think of is your whiskers, which I don't understand, but I love that expression.
1: Monzo, you fucking idiot. Monzo is going to prove himself a real dumbass throughout this entire movie. So then we start recruiting the other samurai warriors as well, uh, including Kanbai's old friend, Shichiroji who, by the way, that actor, I believe, was in Yojimbo. Let me double-check that real quick. Uh, Daisuke Kato. Okay, he was. And if memory serves, he played a real dummy in that movie. (laughs) Like, kind of a a humorous dummy. Like, hey, look at this stupid dummy. Let's all laugh at him. And so when this guy came out, he, like, knew his shit. I was like, ah, what? Like, I was really thrown by it for some reason. As if uh, actors playing stupid people, what, have to be stupid? That's not... That's never true. Like, rubbing your eyes. What the... So we got old pal Shichiroji. And then... Glue guy Gorobi, he's out one day and he just sees this guy like chopping wood and he's like, Hey, you really know how to chop some wood. <laughs> like he's impressed <laughs> by the way this guy chops wood. And then this guy starts like cracking some jokes and it's like, Oh man, I like this dude. He's just kind of funny. I like him. Let's bring him on or whatever. And so it's and that's Haihachi, correct?
0: That's gonna be Haihachi, right. That's gonna be uh he's gonna be played by Minoru Uchiyaki.
1: Yeah, this guy, I mean, you, he's a lovable scamp. You said it right there, David. He's the team jokester. What's funny is when Gorobai is Telling Captain Kanbai that he's got this guy. He's like, oh, you recruited somebody? He's like, "Ah, oh, yeah, yeah. He's kind of a shitty swordsman. But uh, he's just like a fun guy. In fact, Glugai Gorobai says about Lovable Skampai Hachi, he says, he'll be a treasure in hard times. First of all, the best kind of compliment. Because that compliment also says, whoever gave that compliment is also a great person. Because what a sweet, <laughs> beautiful thing to say. David, the these seven samurai, they're not all perfect, but there's some real lessons about male friendship this movie has to teach you.
0: In fact, Gorobe even says when he's getting recruited, he's like, you know, he realizes that this whole premise is kind of flimsy. The plan might not work, but he's intrigued. And the whole reason he's intrigued is because he wants to get to know Kambe. He's intrigued by the friendship. Mac, you're absolutely right. This movie is all about friendship.
1: Oh yeah, you're you're right. I forgot about that. He was like, you know what? I want to get to know that brain of yours. Yeah, I'll risk my life. Let's do it. Whatever.
0: Treasure in hard times. Man, if I was keeping a headstone when I leave this planet, that would certainly go on it. But yeah, you know, Hihachi, you get the sense that he might not be quite so great of a samurai, but yeah, keep him along for comic relief.
1: All right, we got a lot of nice guys on this team, David. We need a dude who's got the fucking skills to rack up some kills. And we meet this guy, Kuzo. And he's like having like a fake sword fight with like wooden swords against this guy. And it's kind of drawing a crowd. And, like, within two moves, Kuzo was like, uh, I would have killed you. Okay, so just, like, let's let's go home. And this this guy who, uh, this, like, other hothead is like, hey, man, no way you would have fucking killed me. Come on, let's fight for real. And Kuzo's like, man, I'm going to kill you. Stop. He's like, no, let's fight for real. And he's like, all right. Real quick, sure enough, he kills that guy, David. They, like, run at each other. Captain Combine, like, knows it. As soon as he sees it, he's like, oh, shit. I could tell that guy, he's fucking skilled. And when they run at each other, they both swipe their swords, David. And for a second, like, oh, man, who who won? Who got the killing blow? And then we switch to slow motion, and we see Kyuzo's opponent fall to its death. Fall, basically, like, fall over, as if he's a mannequin you pushed in slow motion. What did you think about this, David?
0: I thought this was really cool. Well, <laughs> I thought Kyuzo's introduction was really cool. He is immediately... That quiet swordsman, he's the strong, silent type. It's awesome. Just his confidence and his calmness. He's telling the guy, look, if these were steel, you'd be dead by now. And when the guy still wants to fight, he's like, don't throw your life away. I'm going to win. But there's a moment here right before the battle where you get a very clear sense that the drunk is overmatched by Kyuzo, and Kiyozo is going to lay waste to him. There's a long beat where we watch Kombe and Katsushiro watching this fight about to happen And it's a really long take. And it's so long that I'm watching it. And I said out loud, this is getting a little ridiculous. And at that time, the movie says, this is preposterous. And I laughed out loud at that accidental moment.
1: But the slow-mo death, I think it was really cool. Because if you have somebody fall over, basically go from standing still, which is like, you know, again, like a mannequin being pushed. If that happened at normal speed, it would look stupid. And if it happened in super fast speed, that would be family guy. But for some reason, in slow motion, it just worked. It was a second sort of slow motion, someone falling to their death, not falling to the death as in like the impact, killing them, but going from I'm standing, I'm alive to oh, I'm dead on my feet and then falling on the ground. Mm. It's, you know, it's an effective thing. But David, all these farmers right now have to offer the samurai is rice. And earlier, right before me, meet Kuzo, the skilled swordsman, who I wrote down, I call him in my notes skills because he he's got it we get a moment here where like oh let's go get some rice to give to these hungry samurai and yohai what's what's he fucking doing he's he's looking at this like rice barrel he uh, sums up with this guy
0: Yohei gonna yo hey. uh he's he was he had one job and it was to guard the vase of rice so that he has rice to give to the samurai and it gets cleaned out it gets stolen and he's like i hugged the thing all night i hugged the vase all night but there's a hole at the top stupid so like all people had to do was just reach in and grab the rice but then he's Way too quick to, to just say, well, I'll just go run home and get some more. I think that was his plan all along was just to be a chicken shit and like, well, we're out of rice, got
1: to go home. Yeah, you're right. He could have just been using it as an excuse to go home. But also was this like Tim Robinson in a hot dog costume We're all trying to find the guy who did this? It clearly were those filthy, grimy jerks who stole the rice. There's, They bragged about taking someone else's rice like earlier in the movie. But just as these farmers about to despair, uh, like a handful of coins falls in front of him. We look up. It's rich kid, Katushiro. He's like, here, take this money, go buy some rice. Don't tell master. Because that's the thing. This kid, he doesn't even need to be a samurai, right? You know, th- these other warriors are like fighting because that's all they can do. This is, that's their trade. They're warriors. Whereas, you know, Katushiro, he could he'd go home and he could, you know, be sipping uh, lemonade on the veranda uh, the next day if he wanted
0: to. But no, he wants to be a part of this uh, magical team.
1: But David, right now we have five official members of the samurai team. We have Captain Kombi, Glue Guy Gorobe, the captain's old pal, Shichiroji. We got Kyuzo the skills guy and lovable scamp Hachi.
0: Yeah, but Mac, time is running out to find seven samurai. So Kambe is going to reluctantly agree to add the rich dandy Katsushiro to the group, leaving them one short. And so here comes the hothead Kikuchio, and he's going to audition to join the group, but he's too drunk to pass. But that doesn't stop him from tagging along as the samurai travel to the farming village. Kikuchio quickly proves himself to the group and is accepted as the seventh samurai.
1: Kikuchio, again, played by Toshiro Mifune, we saw him at the beginning kind of like following around Captain Kambe after Captain Kambe took down that thief slash child kidnapper. You know, he's kind of like a wild man. He's kind of like pushing people and yelling at someone. I mean, he's he kind of just seems like very undisciplined. We kind of know, don't know what this dude's deal is. And at some moment, he gets like recommended, like uh, the grimy jerks like, hey, we found uh, your seventh samurai. Okay, because... He, like, killed this guy in a bar, and we told him about you, and he's in. He's coming here right now. And Kattoshiro was like, hey, should I do the the bonk test? Like, you know, stand with the log and, and see if he can pass it. And Captain Kamba's like, yeah, why not? It'll be good practice for you. <laughs> Kikuchio comes in. He's the first guy to fail the bonk test, David. Rich Kid Katushiro bonks this dude. Kikuchio, David, he's, like, drunk, and he's been bonked on the head. And he's, like, wandering around. David, this is the weirdest drunk acting I've ever seen. And then I realized it reminds me of Ron Burgundy. Will Ferrell playing Ron Burgundy as like a loud drunk was just how Toshir Mifudi was playing this. Like,
0: hey, who hit me? I'm drunk. <laughs> this whole sequence is really great because, you know, Kanbei wants to do the bonk test. And he's like, look, a samurai never drinks enough to dull his wit. So if this guy's good, let's see him be good. And he just gets clocked. But, and I, I'm right there with you with, with Toshiro Mifune's acting on this one. It is very, you know, he's swaying to the side, he's slurring, but this, this is very much in line with the consistency of his performance, because throughout the movie, he does display a real, like, almost feral quality. He's scratching himself, he's, you know, at one point he gets so upset he kicks like a chicken at people, like, he's just an animal. He's a human animal. He's not very good at being a samurai, he just knows how to survive.
1: Yeah, at one point he's scratching his upper bare thigh. <laughs> it doesn't seem like a standout moment of the movie, but I just noticed it as like, Ew, like you are way too comfortable, <laughs> Kokichio. Here's, let's talk about his name real quick. This dude who we don't know his name, he's like, you know, he's like, "Hey, I'm actually a big deal. My family tree goes back pretty far and we're pretty important people. Here, I carry my family tree with me." and He has this scroll. And so Captain Combo is like, "All right, let me take a look at your scroll with your family tree. What the fuck?" And he unspools his scroll, and he's like, so this is you at the bottom? And he's like, uh-huh. And he's like, okay, according to the scroll, you're 13 years old. And the guy's like, what? And he's like, why'd you fucking steal this scroll, you goddamn asshole? And so later on, when they're like, what's your name? He's like, I don't know, give me a name. Like, we'll call you Kukichio, because that's what the name of the 13-year-old kid that was on here. So Kukichio, he's a wild man. At some point, they call him teenager or whatever. He's like id, but he's just running around. He's great. You
0: know, even though he's not accepted in the group, the fact that he wants to tag along gets less and less annoying to the point where, by the time they do make it to the village and Kikuchio has followed them all the way there, he's very endearing. There's a moment when they all finally make it to the village, the six of them plus Kikuchio, and Kikuchio is looking at the village and he's like, "Oh, there's no way I'm going to die in this dung heap." And someone turns to him and is like, "No one asked you to. You have still not been invited to this group."
1: David, remember we were talking about Monzo and Monzo sucks. Mm-hmm. So Monzo's so worried about his daughter. That his plan is to on her, right? He's going to cut her hair to make her seem like a boy. Now, the biggest problem with this, David, is that his daughter, Shino, does not want this to fucking happen. And so Monzo has a straight razor, and he's, like, chasing his daughter. He didn't ask her. He just is like, I'm doing this. And she's like, what? And next thing you know, he's chasing her in the village with his fucking straight razor, holds her down to cut off her hair. And my notes wrote down, Shino's dad, Monzo, sucks. And then as the scene kept going and the more physical he got, I wrote down the word turbo. So Shino's dad turbo sucks. And he does. But when the samurai show up to the village, no one wants to greet them because all the farmers are like afraid of them. Because the problem with Monzo doing this to his daughter is everyone else sees it and they're like, wait, why is he doing it to his daughter? Are these samurai, you know, are, are they dangerous? We need to hide our families too. Again, when the samurai show up, like no one's there to greet them. Everyone's afraid of them. So Rikichi, crabby, but resourceful. He's like, hey, samurai, let's go meet the old man. Let's go meet a village elder. And I don't know who says it, but it might have been Hihachi. who's like, oh, we get to meet a village elder. Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) What a great honor. I know, he's a fucking scamp. And so they go to meet the old man. And the old man's like, all farmers do is fear. Oh, they're just so full of fear. They're worried about their crops. They're worried about this. Life of a farmer outlined here by the village elder, it does not feel inaccurate. It tracks. Man, it sucks. The fact that these people grow our food and just, it seems like kind of a miserable life where so much can go wrong. Shout out to some farmers out there. And I think this is where they're finally like, Toshiro Mifune's character, what do you, what, what should we fucking call you? And then he's like, okay, give me a name. And like, okay, Kukichyo. Uh I think, did Hihachi give him that name? I bet he did, that fucking scamp.
0: But Kukuchio, this is going to be the point where he finally proves himself to the rest of the samurai because while the samurai are meeting with the old man, Kikuchio's is going to bang on an alarm. It's kind of this hollow stick that resonates throughout the village. So everybody's going to come running thinking, oh, no, the alarm is being sounded. Some danger must be coming. So they're running out. and They're like, help a samurai, please. You know, now, now they want him. Now they care that the samurai are there. So Kikuchio's like, hey, jerks, where was this when we first got here? You're practically groveling. You know, this this is no good. We need to train you. We need to make you better at this. You guys suck. And so the samurai are like, this is our guy. This is our seventh. And there's even a nice button on this moment where the old man comes out and he's he's sizing up Kikuchio. He's like, who's this seventh samurai? And Kikuchio looks at him. He's like, you got a problem, Gramps. And the old man is like, nope, all is well now. And that that warmed
1: my heart. Yeah, these beta farmers needed some tough love from the samurai. Because <laughs> look, again, seventh samurai. These guys are great, right? They can't beat 33 bandits. These villagers have got to pull their fucking weight. And step one, stop hiding. And Kukichio gets him out. And now we're off and running. Time for Kombe to get those wheels spinning. Captain Kambe. It's time for
0: Captain Kombe to get things done. So while he's planning strategy, the rest of the samurai begin training the farmers for battle. Hothead Kikuchio discovers that the farmers have a secret stash of samurai gear scavenged from dying warriors after battle. Kikuchio is seemingly pissed that the samurai are defending a sneaky and dishonest lot of farmers before revealing that he was born as a farmer himself and now this movie is going to start to make us feel
1: feelings mac so david if you suggested to akira kurosawa that maybe some of this could be turned into a montage i think you would have been forced to uh, fight him in 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 armed combat because this movie says fuck you to montages we're going to take a time and show entire scenes of people training and then making small improvements no
0: music Oh, you know, we're going to be there in the planning meetings with Kambe. We're going to look at his map. We're going to figure out, you know, the mountains are no good. The road's no good. We're, we're going to learn this j- along with the villagers.
1: So Kikuchio and a couple other samurai are training some villagers. I want to say he's making fun of Yohai, that fucking golem dude. It could have been somebody else. But he, like, Kikuchio, he picks up his, uh, the villagers, like, bamboo spear and he's like, oh, is this how you're holding it like this? And this ring of children gathered around lose their shit just laughing at one of the adults of the village yes laugh children laugh at that useless old man (laughs) the fact that these samurai are coming in and basically dunking on all the adults in the village god these children must have been eating this up
0: oh my god Just, i would have taken a movie called the Seven samurai roast the village because so kikuchio he's he's training the this group of farmers and they're just yokels like what is literally chewing cud like kikuchio's like hey, spit that cut out and they cut to a guy with a big wad of cut, <laughs> and he swallows it. I'm like, you fucking bumpkin. You're going to get boat raced by these bandits.
1: Oh, I hate you so much. Seriously, that cut guy. I wonder if that was meant to be a hilarious line, because it was pretty funny. So Captain Kanbai, Goro by the glue guy, they're out planning their defenses, and their intern, <laughs> Rich Kid Katushiro, is with them. And the leader's like, keep going, but is like, I'm just going to hang back and pick some blossoms, and just like lay in a field of flowers and just be handsome and young. Jesus fucking Christ this kid he just i don't think he's got a david but david you hear that music by god that's cupid's music david oh i believe
0: love is in the air and it's going to be in the form of a character named shino shino is going to be played by Keiko shishima shino is uh manzo's daughter manzo uh, david
1: hold on i agree with katushiro this is very clearly a boy because it's it's got short hair only boys have short hair and if this is a boy or a man this boy needs to be training with the other men he should not be out here picking flowers that's katushiro's job <laughs> so the this wayward boy like you know he he runs away and katsushiro tracks him down and then i guess to teach him a lesson he's gonna paw at the boy's chest Uh uh-oh david there's something wrong with this boy's chest there's bosoms
0: yeah apparently katsushiro gets a handful and finds out that shino is in fact uh, shino and love is in the air but katsushiro you know we just defended you we just got you onto the samurai we were like you know if you treat him like an adult he'll act like an adult and you're off picking blossoms and falling in love? Not right now, my man.
1: Yeah, Katushiro recoils. He's like, oh my God, I touched, uh, I, I grew up to a lady. Oh boy. That's a pretty awkward first encounter. But the next time we see him, I guess they apologize and made up because now he's very sweet and they're having this like a cutesy relationship. But meanwhile, the villagers, David, they unearth this like secret stash of samurai armor and, and weapons kikuchi was like very excited he's like hey dudes check out all this stuff aren't you excited to see the stuff but dave the samurai are not excited to see this stuff
0: no they are not because they realize that these farmers are just scavengers and what they're doing is they're waiting for battles to die down for you know for battlefields to clear out and they'll go scavenge the dying they'll find dying warriors they'll hunt them down and kill them and take all their stuff and so this is the moment where the samurai realize oh these aren't the sweet, good-natured farmers that we thought they were, they're
1: just humans like everybody else. And it feels like the samurai are ready to quit, kind of disgusted by these villagers. But Kikuchio comes in, the wild man, and he's like, yeah, you're right. Farmers do suck, okay? They fucking lie. They say they don't have any food. They have food. They got it stashed away. They always got a secret stash of food. They're always hiding and concealing stuff. But you know why they're hiding and concealing stuff, samurai? Cause you fucking made him that way. You come in with your battles, you burn their villages, you attack their women or steal their women. The reason why these farmers have to like sneak around is because the scourge of you know war. In this moment, I'm like, well, Kikuchio knows a lot about being a farmer. Is this guy a farmer? And the fact that Kikuchio like runs away crying, and then later on they're like, you were a farmer, weren't you? I was like, oh, he was.
0: Yeah, but this this scene rules. This is you know, because up until this point. It's kind of hard to separate the personalities, or at least it was for me, between the Seven Samurai. I'm getting introduced to a lot of characters at once. I'm a little unfamiliar with this environment. So they're all kind of blending together. But this is Kikuchio's moment to, to make a personality. And I, I loved it so much.
1: Yeah, because at this point, he's, he's been a mystery. Like, what is this dude's deal? And the fact that he started life as a farmer, maybe there's something tragic there. We'll get a little bit of hint of it later. And now he's like, he's not like a warrior who's like brought up in some army. You know, he's, he did not start life like this. He was kind of forced to pick up a sword. And, and this is our first hint of that. So the samurai, David, they're staying in Rikichi's house. Rikichi, he's like the cranky dude, right? And he's like, oh, you can stay in this house. Uh, I'll go sleep in a barn. And when they first go over there, Rikichi's like, sorry, this place is so dirty. Sorry, my house sucks. And Kikuchio pulls out like a pretty fashionable like silk robe from Rikichi's closet. He's like, hey, no ass is too shitty when you're cuddled up to a wife, <laughs> which, okay. Again, another thing that makes Rikichi mad. So Rikichi is like sleeping in the barn. And because Kikuchio is kind of like still like up in his feelings after that farmer rant, he's like, I don't like those dudes. I'm going to sleep out in the barn. And Rikichi's like, all right, I guess I'll get up so you can sleep in the barn where I was sleeping. And Kikuchio is like, hey, why are you letting me just take your barn bed? Stand up for yourself, which is a weird move. He's like, no, you stay. Let me sleep next to you. All right, have some self-esteem. Let me sleep next to you, which is Kikuchio's all over the map. But they're complicated feelings, but he's navigating them pretty well. Part of being a wild man, David, is having wild ass emotions and, (laughs) and Kikuchio's got him.
0: But Mac, as the farmers wait to harvest their barley so they can flood their fields and prevent bandits from entering, the samurai wait for the bandits to attack. Lovable scamp Hihachi makes a flag for their army to carry with them into battle, but tensions begin to take their toll on the community when some of the farmers decide to revolt. Leader Kanbe informs the farmers that now is not the time to fall apart and that any descent will be met with the end of his blade. And then we go to our intermission a little over halfway through the movie.
1: On this rainy day, we see lovable scamp Hachi. He's sewing a flag, a banner for them to fight under. Because David, this guy's a treasure in hard times. And this flag has six circles and a triangle and then a Japanese character. And they're like, oh, the Japanese character, what's that? And it's like, oh, that that's like the village or whatever. I'm like, oh, what are these uh, six circles? He's like, that's us. And Kikuchio's like, there's only six circles, but there's seven of us. You left me out, didn't you? Which right away, the guy's attitude, he automatically assumes he's not one of the circles. And Aihachi's like, no, that triangle right there, that's a crown for you, Lord Kikuchio. Because his fake family tree from that scroll marks him as like a, a royal. And dude, all the other samurai started busting out laughing these dudes like busting bees
0: busted his chops i love it they, this, this group is starting to come together
1: so david there was an american remake of this movie but it was a western right magnificent seven which i've never seen have you seen it i have yes i've seen both of them and it's got who and it? it's got steve mcqueen and
0: oh jeepers uh charles bronson eli wallach
1: and yule brinner pretty good cast and then they remade magnificent seven with like chris pratt and Denzel Washington. I'm digging this Hihachi character so much. I was like, okay, who's the jokester in these American versions? And I guess they changed them enough to where there's not a clear-cut jokester character. I also looked at the cast of the more recent Magnificent Seven. And I may have to do, I may have to watch it for an inventory episode. Because I saw no jokesters in that bunch, David. No. Unless the um, main actor from Parasite is hilarious in it or
0: something. I want to say it's Vincent D'Onofrio, if i remember it correctly. That, that movie is worth a forgettable watch.
1: Oh, comedy legend Vincent D'Onofrio, you've really sold it. But David, here we start to see Rich Kid Katushiro. He's beginning kind of like a little sweet romance, a little sweet courting of Shiro. But you know who witnesses this, David? It's skills himself, right? Kyuzo, the master swordsman, he sees what's going on here. He's a little bit of uh, some peeping action there, <laughs> but it's fine. It's not too creepy. He's just he's just noticing it.
0: Yeah, he's not a peeper. He's a badass warrior. While everybody's like going stir crazy and Kikuchio's getting horny, is like, Uh, I got to go
1: practice my sporting. But rich kid Katushiro, he's sharing his allotment of rice with Shiro. And Shiro's like, hey, thanks for the rice. I'm not going to eat it, though. I'm going to give it this old lady. And so later we see the samurai eating. And Katushiro's like, hey, uh, I love this rice, but I'm going to eat it later, okay, everyone? And Skills is like, hey, take my rice, too, if you're going to give it to that old lady. And the samurai are like, what? And then they take a field trip to this old decrepit lady who is begging to die. She's like, I want to die quickly and soon. And of course, like the nice guy, Haihachi like consoles her like, hey, look, you, there's a afterlife and and it's going to be good for you and you'll, be, you'll find peace there. And then of course, fucking wild man Kikuchio's like, there's nothing after death. Fuck these weak fucks. He's just pissed off at farmers, right? And you know, it, it's confirmed later it's because he is a farmer and he just doesn't, I think he sees that weakness in himself maybe or he just feels like he comes from that. By the way, an old person who's like lived long enough, who's lost their son to bandits, who's like, I want to die. I'm not. That's not weakness. Right. That's just a person who's like, look, I know what I want. And uh, check, please. So Captain Combi brings the whole village together and he's outlining his plans. And this is the moment where he tells the people like, hey, those houses over there, we're not going to save them. And the people that live in those houses, they lose their shit. They throw down their spears. They're like, we're not going to fucking fight. We'll go defend ourselves. Thank you very much. And Captain Kanbai, what would you call that if you just, you know, like you... He kind of like, it's a Naruto run. It's like he chases him with his
0: arms out, like sort of, you know, going after them and just scares him back into line.
1: Yeah, like he's not actually going to hit him, but he kind of like raises, you know, his sword yeah. like, what? Oh, you think guys can fight? These guys fold so fast. <laughs> These people, they're like, we'll fight the bandits ourselves. It's like, oh, really? They're like, oh, no, 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 no. And then Captain Kanbai is like, you fucking idiots, okay? Look, those are three houses. We're not going to sacrifice... 20 houses for three by protecting others you save yourself david clearly these people are not republicans uh, because that is the opposite of the republican philosophy
0: they want their freedom they want their autonomy and they want their other side of the river classic river trash you know this is why we should just let them die anyway
1: uh, look i didn't want to say it but yes <laughs> death to all river trash hey david since this intermission i thought we'd uh, take an intermission of our own you know just like a short break stretch our legs is that cool
0: Yeah, sure. I was actually going to head to the concession stand and get a snack. You want something?
1: Um, well, here's the thing. Uh, I picked up some part-time work at the concession stand. I have the intermission shift, so I'll just see you over there.
0: Oh, all all right.
1: Hello, sir. What can I get for you?
0: Wow. When did you
1: change into that vest? I was wearing it the whole time. You just look. So can I get some popcorn or? Uh, I'll I'll take some Sour Patch Kids. Sorry. uh, Child labor laws actually prevent us from selling Sour Patch Kids. We do have soured adults, though. Are those any good? No, not at all. Do you have any gummy bears? We have gummies, but not bears. The Candy Council thinks that gummy bears encourages violence against bears. We have gummy cars. They're actually really good. I mean, yeah, but
0: I I kind of wanted bears. Something about tearing those bears apart with my teeth made me feel big. I'll take some M&Ms.
1: Oh, sure thing. We have those.
0: Oh, do you have the packets that's just the sexy green ones?
1: Ah, uh, sophisticated, of course, sir. Here, I'll put it in a brown bag for you. Uh, anything to drink? Oh,
0: do you have a Dr. Pepper or do you just serve those weird local variant sodas?
1: Weird local variant sodas? Uh, our Dr. Pepper variant is delicious, uh, but it is called Professor Spicy Mouthfeel. Is that a deal breaker?
0: Christ, I'll take a medium, and that is it.
1: That's it? Nothing for your friend Mac?
0: Wow. I mean, oh, oh boy. Okay. What do you want, Mac? Uh,
1: I'll take a large Sprunt. What <laughs> Sprunt? Yeah, it's it's our organic Sprite variant.
0: Okay, large Sprunt. How much is that?
1: Uh, just give me like five bucks.
0: All right, here you go. Did you pocket that?
1: Uh, do you need some help carrying that to your seat, sir? <laughs>
0: Not really. Hey, Mr. Teppins! I'm going to go on my break. All right, let's go, dude. Okay. So Mac, after the intermission, mild-mannered farmer Rikichi gets teased for being unmarried, but Rikichi ain't laughing. The farmers harvest their barley and flood their field to thwart bandits from entering their village. While the village awaits the arrival of the bandits, it's a perfect time to let awkward love blossom between rich Dandy Katsushiro and the now boyish Shino. The samurai learn of a bandit scout party and send swordsman Kyuzo and hothead Kikuchio to apprehend them. The samurai bring one of the bandits back to learn the whereabouts of the bandit hideout,
1: but the farmers want blood. So hothead Kikuchio, David, he's more than just hot in the head, David. He's hot in the loins. This guy's a horny man. He's like, man, where are the women? Where's the women up in this? And so when they're doing the harvest, he suddenly notices like, hey, those are women doing the harvesting. Yeah. And so he's like super excited and he, he goes to this one lady and he's like, hey, give me your scythe. And he starts like cutting her barley and he's like, no, I will cut all of your barley if we can have sex later. <laughs> and <then laughs> She kind of reacts like, what? I don't get the sense that that deal ended up happening. But David, that's where we get the expression. I'm so horny. I'll cut some barley.
0: You know what? I got to start bringing that back because if you're asking me, it's a good deal. Like if someone offered to do three times my work in exchange for me getting nice and friendly with them, uh, watch him go.
1: But Rikichi here, David, he's just being a fucking crab ass again. He just goes off to that classic like moping pose. He's the fuck. These villagers are like the Michael Jordan of moping. Hihachi, right? The treasure in hard times. Scamp, lovable scamp Hihachi. He's like, I'll go loosen those lips. And so he goes to uh, Rikichi around the fire and he's like, hey man, talking is a good thing. If you got problems, you could talk about them. David, another healthy male relationship from a 1954 samurai movie. It's happening.
0: Seriously, it's a shame that Rikichi is too far gone for reasons we'll find out later to open up and share, but I like what this movie's trying to do.
1: David, is this village located on the Chattahoochee? Because I'm learning a lot about living and a little about love during this movie. (laughs) (laughs) You motherfucker. I also wrote down here, Kikuchio is the Cassavetes of the group, because I don't really know what to do with that. But he, he completely is the uh, just kind of like I don't know uh, whatever you call. Remember Casavetti from Dirty Dozen? Yeah, he's the uh, rabble rouser of the group. He's the agent of chaos. Yeah, when you described Casavetti's character during that episode as the kikuchio of the Dirty Dozen group, we were both like, "Why well, don't we?" How does it make any sense? But David, now it does. So then, at some moment, David, yo hi, remember that piece of shit with his fucking sad emoji face?
0: Yeah, he's the fucking tragedy mask. I remember him.
1: Yeah, he's got this horse. Kikuchio's like, uh, yo what the fuck's up with your horse here? Is this your fucking horse? Let me ride this horse. And they're like, hey, Kikuchio, don't ride this horse. This horse is old. Okay. At some moment, Kikuchio says like, this is a horse? I thought this was a, a big mouse. Yeah. <laughs> that for some reason is like a hilarious line in 1954 and also in 2023. Kikuchio like gets on this horse and I wrote down, yo horse, please don't. Because they, <laughs> they go out of their way to be like, this horse is old. You're going to kill it. I thought this horse was gonna, like, break in half. But no, this horse throws off Kikuchio, who's then, like, running after it. It's basically just there for laughs, David. It's just, like, a little funny scene where uh, Kikuchio can't ride a horse. Ha ha ha.
0: Oh, it's a waka waka moment, to be sure. Everybody's having a grand old time. But secretly, I wanted him to break that horse because the they even say in the movie, one of the farmers is like, hey, be careful with that horse. You'll make Yohei cry. And, like, he's <laughs> such a wuss. I wanted to make him cry.
1: And then we see our young lovers, rich kid Katushiro and his lover-to-be, Shiro. They haven't really, they haven't, I say lover, David, they've not fucked. This kid's just gone to court, David. But they're lying in the fields together and Shiro's like, man, I wish I was born a samurai. And Katushiro's like, no, look, I'm here with you already. And Shiro's like, no, it's because I can't marry you because of class and whatever. And she's like crying or something at this moment, I was like, oh, Katushiro, you need to get out of there, okay? This girl has adult emotions and you are a child. (laughs) This is not. (laughs) You're going to get hurt, buddy. You're going to get hurt. But she's having wildly swinging
0: adult emotions because she's telling him this. She's like, oh, you know, we can't be together. And then she starts like being coy about it. But then she starts laughing maniacally. Then she starts crying because she's just scared and doesn't know how to process this. Yeah, Katsushiro's in over his head.
1: Yeah, because Katushiro's like... You think if we kissed, uh, we'd hear a sparkling noise? And Shiro's like, does happiness exist? Like, they're just not. <laughs> you're just different places right here. But David, the bandits have come back. At least they've sent, like, some scouts in, right? And the samurai are like, oh, shit, hide, hide, hide. Because we can't let the bandits know it's that we samurai are here. because that way, we can maintain the element of surprise. The samurai are all hiding. And and somebody else, um, Katushiro's like, we've seen some, uh, I saw some horses. And they're like, yeah, hide. And, of course- who's uh, the skilled guy. is like, yeah, I saw him first because I got the fucking skills. And he's like, let's let's also hide. Captain Kamba is like, hey, Rikichi, go tell all the villagers just to hide in their homes. And so these villagers see Kikuchi, the wild man, and they're like, hey, some scouts, some bandit scouts are here. And his reaction is basically goes, hot damn, ready for some action. Where are these bandits? And the fact that everyone else is like hide 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 hide, and he's like fuck yeah, that was my first markup moment, David. Hey, I just liked that moment so much that I uh, it just pushed me over the top.
0: Yeah, no, this is great. He's like strutting around. He uh, he eventually gets the scouts' attention, which you know they didn't want to do. But he's like everyone's hiding in their in their houses. Everyone's hiding in their sheds, and he's just walking around like, hey, where is everybody? Hey, and it's like it's so good. But then Kyozo's like, I got this. <laughs> they're going to the mountains. The mountains are my territory. I'll kill them all. But it's going to be Kyozo and Kikuchio. They're going to get a little band together. and They're going to go find those three scouts.
1: So they track down the scouts. And the fighting here, David, it's our first like actual sort of fighting in this movie. I mean, we've seen a little bit of sword play. And the fighting kind of sucks. Like, there's just no way around it right now. Just like the, you know, because there's no blood in this movie. And so it's just someone like kind of moving a sword over someone else, that person reacting. So David, you're right, Kyuzo, he's like, I know the mountain, I can, I can beat him back to the horses because both he and Rich Kid Katushiro, they saw the bandits' horses, that's where the scouts are headed. So they get there first. They get there first and they, they lay in wait, like one guy climbs a tree, another guy kind of like hides in the ground, and like, Katushiro, you're inexperienced, just go lay down over there where you'll be safe. And the pacing of the scene, David, it is not fast. Do you, did you have any uh, thoughts on this? I'm right there with
0: you. Yeah. It, so since Katsushiro is the newbie of the group, or he's a little greener than the rest of them, they're just like, okay, you go wait in the hollow. Kyuzo and Kikuchi are gonna take care of business. So as the scene unfolds, we're watching it through Katsushiro. We're watching it through the eyes of this inexperienced you know, samurai in training. So we're watching the tension through his eyes. Katsushiro does a really good job of relaying the tension and being the audience surrogate. It helps build tension in a movie that hasn't quite done a very good job of building tension, if that makes sense.
1: It does make sense. Dave, one of the things I like about seeing an NBA game in person versus on TV, and I swear this is going somewhere. Like if you are watching a game on TV, you know you pretty much just see like half the court at a time because the, the camera is mainly focused on like where the ball is at the moment. But watching a game live, you can kind of see a play that ends up as a uh, made basket on one end. You can kind of see that play sort of start on the other, like you get more of a holistic view of the gameplay. And that's what this scene reminded me of. The fact that you got to see these actors like act, you got to see them show up ahead of time and like set up and like get into position. So by the time the bandit scouts showed up, they were ready for the attack. But there's just something very naturalistic about it. And yeah, there was definitely some tension because it, it felt it wasn't just like the bad guys walking along and then Batman drops down from the top part of the frame and he's like, you know, I'm over here or something. Like You got to see this fight develop, and it was a very cool scene. The fighting itself sucked at this point, which, look, you know, a movie that has been ranked this highly on a lot of lists is like, oh, no, is this going to be another thing where we have an awesome movie that is an action movie, but the action itself sucks? Like, I kind of was just like hoping that's not the case. And we'll definitely talk about that later on. But but, yeah, they capture a scout. They bring it back to the village. The farmers are going nuts on this guy. They're like, you know, they're gonna like rip him apart. And Captain Kambe is like, like, hey, 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 this is not us. We're not just gonna like tear this guy apart. But David, that decrepit old woman, here she comes holding like a weapon over her head. And they're like, what the fuck is this old lady doing? And the village elder's like, let the old lady kill the scout. Let her get revenge for her son. And Captain Kambe is like, I guess, man, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna push back against this. But David, what a fucking horror movie thing. Like, imagine if you're a soldier captured in combat and they have like a gun pointed your head they're like no no don't kill him let's let this 90 year old woman come and slowly murder him with a stabbing weapon
0: yeah no thanks pick your reference Midsomar, wicker man 2000 maniacs whatever that feeling is of like i'm in i'm in danger i'm surrounded by people who are putting me in danger but the thing that's going to kill me is going to take fucking forever because like they even say they're like they bring the old lady out she's there to avenge her son's death but she's Taking forever. She's got like a pitchfork with a couple of tines missing. And so finally, people are just like, Someone help her. Like, someone help her kill this man or beat this man to death. It's like, This is terrifying.
1: David, you said 10,000 maniacs. Did Natalie Merchant kill somebody?
0: I said 2,000 maniacs. But yes, she did kill somebody. You didn't hear about that? Oh, my goodness.
1: Natalie Merchant
0: of oh, death. Somebody's not allowed to drive a boat anymore.
1: <laughs> what a weird <laughs> rumor to start.
0: They get their captor before they let the old lady murder him. They get information about the whereabouts of the bandit's hideout. Mm-hmm. So we're going to get a, a group of the swordsmen, Kyuzo. We're going to get Hothead Kikuchio. And then we're going to get lovable scamp Hihachi. And we're also going to get Farmer Rikichi. And they're going to make their way through the forest to the bandit hideout. Their plan, burn it down and cut down any bandit trying to escape. All does not go well as the delightful Hihachi is gunned down with a musket. And we find out whatever happened to Rikichi's wife. Kikuchio waves Haihachi's flag in, in his honor and memory, but no time to no mourn now, bandits are coming. The village easily handles the first bandit onslaught, but when the bandits burn down the houses on the other side of the river, it's too much for our hothead Kikuchio.
1: Whoa, a lot of emotions in this segment of the movie. So they recovered three horses from the bandit scouts, they're like, okay, we'll send three warriors out to the bandit hideout. Kikuchio's like, they are four horses, dude. I can ride Yohai's horse. And they're like, all right, my man. And so there's a lot of good horse jokes here. A lot of just like funny fucking stuff where Kukichio can ride this horse. And at some moment, he's <laughs> mad at the horse and he goes, you call yourself a horse? Which I love. <laughs> I love that line. <laughs> I can't wait to get mad at an animal. You call yourself a squirrel? Eat this. But they show up to this bandit hideout, David. And there's a lot of like sleepy bandits and a lot of sleepy bodies. Some of them are women. And I was like, is this a brothel? I can't quite tell. So they set the building ablaze. And this woman gets up, and she notices the blaze, David, but she doesn't, how does she react? Well, okay, this really
0: bummed me out, because before the fire starts, we see inside this den, it, it, you know, everyone's taking a nap, uh, presumably from an afternoon of sex and drugs, but we see this one lady, she's she's awake, but she is dazed, like, thousand yards stare, you know, just looking off into the middle distance, just sort of letting life happen around her, and I remember watching it, and God help me for saying this, but I was like, oh, please be drugged because I didn't want to face the idea of her just being so defeated by life that this is how she is. Like, this is not, you know, a chemical just making her catatonic. Life has made her catatonic. But then when she sees the fire and sort of wakes up from her stupor and you realize, no, she's just catatonic because of life. It was a huge bummer.
1: Yeah, she's more than happy to let this building burn and kill all these dudes. Eventually, she makes her way outside where she comes face-to-face with Rikichi. And this moment, I was like, oh, shit, that's his wife. That's his wife. She was stolen by the bandits. That explains why Rikichi's such a fucking crab-ass. That explains that shitty comment about, like, monster. they're going to come take your fucking daughter, dude. And then because Rikichi's wife has been turned into, you know, like a sex slave of the bandits, I, I don't know too much about the 16th century Japanese culture, but I feel like she was ashamed in that moment. And then ran back in to the fire, she'd rather die than have to face her husband, who clearly did not want her to die. He was trying to like, get back inside to save her, you know trying to, but he couldn't like enter into the burning building. And of course, nice guy Hihachi. He's a treasure in hard times. He goes to try and pull Rikichi back from the fire. But David, then we hear a noise, and I'm like, "Is that a gunshot?" I did not know that muskets were around back then. David, there are. Hihachi goes down. He's fucking dead. Yeah, it felt like a cheat. I I really felt
0: robbed by this movie. I was like, no, we set the rules of this. It's all swords. And then to to hear a musket and to lose one of my favorite samurai, it was a real fucking drag.
1: I'm suing David because this movie said seven samurai and now we're down to six. Fuck you. But Kikuchi is going to take this
0: really hard. Going to have a hard time processing his feelings. The whole village is, you know, this is going to be their first big loss. And even uh, Kanbei laments. He's like, you know, we called him a treasure in hard times, but... The hard times have only just begun. Like, this is a harbinger of things to come. But Kikuchi is not having it. He shakes off the tears. He runs into the house and grabs the flag that Haihachi made. He climbs to the roof of their house, plants the flag. This is going to be my second markout moment. I was just straight up, hell yes, about this scene.
1: Yeah, and this family, they're like, oh no, the bandits are coming. And the old man, he's still in the mill he he'd never he wants to die he says it all the time that he wants to die in the mill uh okay does he then let him fucking die your parents and you have a baby in your arms don't risk your life out of this dude as far as we know uh you're not honoring his wishes because he wants this but sure enough this family goes out anyway and then the bandits come at some moment like one arrow is like shot in the air and the bandits retreat and i was like god god damn it this fight's gonna get drawn out isn't it the fact that like one arrow Scatter like it's just like oh we're not gonna see a lot of combat in this thing are we? At some point during this uh scuffle, Kikuchio looks over at Yohai and he goes, "Yohai, what's that look for?" David, he's had this look the entire fuck. We're fifty-seven minutes into this movie. You can't just be asking this dude now what's the look for. He's had the look
0: the entire movie. That's what he looks like. I I kind of wished it was in a quieter moment of the movie where it's like, all right, Yohai. What's this fucking look for? And then, like, you get a story, sort of like Jaws when quits revealing his scars. You find out the origin of Yohei's stupid face.
1: David, do you remember when some villagers, specifically ones who lived in the houses that would go unprotected, when they were like, fuck this, we're gonna go defend our houses from the bandits. Our houses don't deserve to burn. And Captain Kanbai was like, no, asshole, like, you gotta help each other out. Do you remember those guys? Most definitely. So, when these houses start to burn, people start crying, like, our houses are houses. One of those dudes who earlier tried to desert. He's now like, why are you guys crying over those fucking old shacks? Come on. This guy gets it now. Okay? He was inspired by Captain Kanbai. He's a quality soldier now. That's going to be Mosuke.
0: That's going to be the fourth farmer that we never hear anything from. That's going to be his one moment of like, okay,
1: I get it now. Oh, shit. So against better judgment. I think Yohai's the reason why I had that face is because he's like, no, there's a family out there trying to save the old man. Kikuchio and Captain Kanbai, they go out to this burning mill to try and see if there's any survivors and the mom is there holding the baby and as soon as she hands the baby to kikuchio she like falls over and like this woman's been slashed or stabbed several times how did she have the strength to save her baby it's almost like she was trying to save her baby kikuchio is holding his baby david he starts crying this baby is me this is my origin story my parents were killed in combat i was abandoned as a baby kikuchio I love you, but no therapy breakthroughs during battle. You let him have this breakthrough. No, no,
0: I was <laughs> okay. So in this same chunk of movie, we've dealt with Rikichi's wife running back into a fire from shame, and then kikuchio having this massive breakthrough. This movie, mac I am very much into this.
1: I'm into it too, but you saved that shit for home, okay? <laughs> you cried in the car. Yeah, this is a, this is a burning mill. Isn't that your zoom screen of a a? Betterhelp.com user interface? Well, fine. But Mac, after the bandits try
0: and fail during a night ambush, the farmers have the bandits on the run. The samurai prepare for an attack from the north, and the swordsman Kyuzo commandeers a musket from the bandits for good measure. The samurai and the farmers successfully overpower the bandits, but when Kikuchio hands over his post to the cowardly farmer Yohei, bandits manage to infiltrate the village, killing Yohei and also killing the cunning Gorobei. So we're going to be fresh off of Kikuchio's breakthrough. He's still kind of in his feelings. He's, you know, he's not quite getting a good night's sleep. And so he hears some noise in the distance. And it turns out some bandits are trying to perform a night ambush. They're climbing up onto the bridge where, where all the farmers and all the samurai are sleeping. And then you've also got some who are trying to scale the fence and try to get through. But Kikuchio's uh, right on top of it. He's got, uh, he's got his farmers ready and they
1: defend. Yeah, one of those farmers is Yoha, He kills a guy. We see that there's a bandit at the end of his spear. And of course, you think Yohai, maybe this is his moment where he gets some self esteem. No, he's like catatonic with that fucking golem look on his face. It's like, God damn it, Yohai, you actually killed a dude, but you can't even do that right. But the combat here, again, it's, it's not very thrilling to watch, but it is pretty brutal. Because what happens if a bandit gets through the village's defenses, the villagers set upon that person and start spearing him, like spearing the bandit to death. It's pretty brutal. But you're right, the fighting in this movie isn't very impressive, but In this moment, in particular, the
0: logistics of it were very impressive. Dealing with that many cast members or dealing with that many people on screen, dealing with lighting a night shot. We haven't given enough credit to how beautiful this movie is. Like, you know, we're talking about the action of the Seven Samurai. This is a fucking gorgeous movie, even in, I guess it's 4-3 because it wasn't a a full aspect ratio. So, you know, even with a small screen, this thing pops.
1: Yeah, it's something I talked about with my feral wife. I don't know how to describe the cinematography other than just great. The images we're seeing—they're very dense. Like it just the screen just is like full of characters and information. A lot of story is being told in every shot. I guess is what I'm trying to say. But Rikichi—he's fucking fired up after his wife died, and he's like, uh, "Like, hey, Rikichi, all right, you you killed them all. Calm down, pal." But the problem is, David, those those muskets. Every time the bandits fire, our heroes like scatter, and like, "Oh, we gotta." We got to take out some of these muskets. And you know Kyuzo, right? He's a swordsman. He's got the skills to rack up the kills. He's like, I'll go. And then off he fucking goes. There's like, no, like, hey, maybe don't, because he's just gone.
0: And I love it too, because uh, Rikichi's trying to make a case. He's like, I'll go, I'll go get them all. And they're just like, no, you're a goddamn nightmare. You stay here. But then meanwhile, Kyuzo just slips out. He's like, I'll be right back. And he comes back like the next morning or maybe a few hours later, he brings back a musket, puts it down. He says, I got two more for you. You know, he killed two more bandits while he was gone. Third mark out moment for me, Mac. Kyuza was fucking awesome.
1: Yeah. (laughs) So he's been up all night uh, murdering. He lays down to go to sleep and rich kid Katsushiro comes up and it's like, hey, dude, Skills is still sleeping. Read the fucking room. And he's just like, "Uh, hey, uh, Skills, I just want to tell you that you're fucking awesome and that you're so smart. And you're handsome and you're nice and I like you so much and just uh, you're great. And he leaves. And Kyuza, this dude is stoic, right? He only cares about, they said earlier in the movie, he only cares about testing his skill and becoming better. He's kind of got this like monastic approach to warfare. But the way this kid like comes up to him is like so nice to him. Sure enough, skills Kyuza, cracks a smile. He likes this kid.
0: You can't help but like Katsushiro, you know, he is the youngest one but there's something so innocent about him. It's charming.
1: And I'll call this action set piece, let the right one in. Because our strategy here is like, okay, the bandits are going to raid on horseback. What we're going to do is when they one comes in, we're going to let one in, and then we're immediately going to jump out with our spears and block any of the other horsemen from entering. And so they let the bandits in one at a time, and then when one bandit gets in, they swarm them and overwhelm them. And it's a pretty good plan that works like a fucking champ in my mind, they killed like 30 guys this way, but then I think they just killed like five because between skirmishes, we cut back to Captain Kombi. He's got a big like war map with like 33 circles on it. And he's like crossing them off every time they kill somebody. And there's a weird edit here with a kicking horse, where it's a real horse kind of just like kicking its back legs, trying to get a little bit of like clearance. And I'll allow these weird edits because I think that was like, okay, look, we only had so many shots where this horse agreed to actually like listen and... And kick because it's a fucking animal. It's not, you know, like an actor. But um, I don't know. Good job, horse. I wrote it in my notes.
0: Uh, This is going to be the part where I started to question the safety of the horses. So I'm just going to abstain from commenting Uh, a lot of flailing around by the horses.
1: But David, it seems to me the bandits are kind of getting their ass kicked. Is that how you would interpret this?
0: I definitely got that sense. Like, you know, it's a combination of not taking the farmer seriously, but also testing the weak points in the perimeter for a longer battle but now the the farmers are doing a pretty good job of defending their territory
1: and this is the this is the rub for these weak farmers it it seems like the bandits their main plan of attack is just fear it's like okay how are we going to beat these guys oh they're afraid of us we've already we don't actually have to like beat them because they're sloppy they don't have a plan they're just going to run in like yell and and you know kill a couple people and then next thing you know they're in charge and so the fact that like the this much smaller army of, of warriors is like handing him their asses it's like man these guys sucked villagers if you guys had just fucking done this uh 5 years ago rikichi would still have his wife sorry to bring that up rikichi I know you're sensitive about it well there's even
0: a, a moment here Kikuchio is at his post he you know he's keeping guard and he kind of gets a wild hair and he you know he decides to go after uh some bandits you know maybe sneak over steal a musket that sort of thing but then while he's sneaking over, he hears gunshots. Mac, do you do you know what's going on with these gunshots all of a sudden?
1: It looks like bandits are being shot, David, but that's confusing because why, because the bandits are the ones that have the guns, why would they be shooting their own soldiers?
0: Yeah, it's it's very confusing. Um, so it turns out Kikuchio uh, is spying on some uh, bandits deserting and they're getting shot by their leader and like, if anybody else turns yellow, I'll gun you down. So already you get the sense that the bandits are, are have their backs against the wall.
1: So, David, at some point, rich kid Katushiro goes up to wild man Kikuchio, and he's just like hyping up skills, right? He's like, he's nice. And he's like, he knows so much, but he's like still nice about it. Kikuchio goes, fascinating. I'm not bored at all, I swear, which is pretty great. But I do wonder if he's a little bit jealous of the fact that Katushiro looks up to skill so much, because the reason why Kikuchio saw that those deserves getting shot was because he's like, you know what, fuck it. I'll just go up there and I'll try to get a musket myself. Everyone loves it. When skills did it, they'll love me when I do it. And I got to say the way he does this, he's kind of a fucking legend. Okay. Because he just goes up to one of the deserters' dead bodies. He puts on their headpiece and he's like, okay, I'm a bandit now too. And then he goes up next to a guy, another bandit. He's like, Hey, uh, sucks with these villagers, huh? And the other bandit's like, yeah, this place sucks. He's like, yeah, it sucks. The band like does like a triple take, like, do I know you? Yeah. He sure doesn't. And, and fucking Kikuchio uh, kills him. He's got the musket and he's like racing back. Whoa, 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 like uh, Looney Tunes style back to the village. He's a champion, David. But there's a problem with this plan for Kikuchio to go out and like make this raid he had to leave somebody in charge of his post and the somebody he left in charge was fucking Yohei. No, Yohei, you fucking idiot.
0: Everyone knows not to do that. If anyone's going to do it, it's going to be Kikuchio because, you know, with his wild side comes carelessness, you assume. So I, it makes sense in the movie, but why on earth would you trust Yohei with anything?
1: And sure enough, the bandits come through right at that fucking post and then we, now we got a battle. And this is a cool action set piece, David. Uh, I don't have a name for it, but it's definitely like, oh, this is a battle. And you get a nice sense of the attacks coming from like multiple directions. This doesn't feel like a fight. It doesn't feel kind of like a street fighter, right? Like, you know, two two guys on either side of the screen kind of going at it. It feels like a battle, kind of a little wild, a little like hard to predict. It definitely has uh, an interesting feel to it. I'm starting to get into the rhythm of the action of this movie.
0: This scene captures the spontaneity of the battle because you compare it to everything that that has led up to this you compare it to the farmers kind of having an assembly line way of defending their land where okay we'll let one person in we'll kill them we'll take his horse and then we'll let another person in so to watch this thing break down to watch you know their defenses fall to watch the bandits come through and the farmers have to scramble no this is fucking awesome i was really into it
1: yeah me too and kikuchi he goes over to yohai he's like on the ground he's like Yohai, what the fuck And Yohei's like, I never left my post. And it's like, you know what? I should feel sad for this sad, sad character who's finally dying. But I wrote it in my notes, put him out of his misery. Because I think in that (laughs) moment, he's like, cut off his head already. God damn it. Oh, in my notes, I wrote good.
0: Because, of course, this schmuck's going to get shot in the back when he's got front armor. Like, if he had just faced forward, he would have been fine. So Yohei's going to Yohei.
1: But David, this movie lets it be known that it's coming for our goddamn hearts because first they kill lovable scamp Haihachi, right? The guy who's going to be a treasure in hard times. And now who dies? The glue guy, Gorobe, no. No reason to. It happens very quickly. This is going to be
0: one of my first punch-ups for this movie. Don't you dare rob us of death scenes. We've already lost Haihachi. We lost Goro Bay. I would have loved to have seen them get just one big oscar Beatty moment where we get to say goodbye to them. Two of our favorite characters gone too soon.
1: Yeah, and these kind of unglamorous deaths continue to happen throughout this movie, and, and I, I feel like they're pretty uh, effective.
0: But you know what? We're going to take one last look at Captain Kambe's scoreboard, and that's going to indicate that there are only 13 bandits left, but the last seven killed came at a steep price. Time to wrap up this battle. The village has one final night to let it all hang out before the final battle the next morning. The 13 remaining bandits are let into the village and settle this once and for all. The bandits are ultimately defeated, but not before we lose two more samurai in the process to senseless gun violence.
1: So David, the battle is over for the day, but the big battle's coming tomorrow. So Captain is like, all right, let some of the men sleep. Let some of them visit their family because they may not be alive tomorrow. Here it comes. And so the are like, Katushiro, kid, get out of here. Go, uh, go do what you got to do. And so rich kid Katushiro, he looks up uh, Shino, and they go for a literal roll in the, hey, David, they're in a barn. They're rolling around.
0: I wonder if that's where the expression comes from.
1: I don't think so. So they start passing around the sake. Kikuchio, he's just like, he's hanging out by Gorobe's grave. He's just like inconsolable. And they're like, hey, uh, hey, Manzo. Why don't you go find your uh, your daughter Shino? Or should I say son, you fucking idiot? (laughs) What a dumbass plan. (laughs) Anyway, yeah, go see her, say goodbye to her. And so Monzo finds his daughter, but he finds his daughter and Richie Kid Katushira leaving the hut at the same time, fresh off their roll of the hay. And David, a little bit of the score comes on. It's music. And the sound we're hearing, it's people like humming, like harmonizing, like mmm. But at first, I thought that audio was coming from the scene. But Monzo sees what his, realizes what his his daughter uh, just got up to, and he's fucking pissed and starts like beating her. And I don't know the culture of 16th century Japan, but Katushiro just kind of like lets this happen, maybe because he's like ashamed that he got found out that he's been fucking or something. Captain Kanbai comes over, and he's like, "Fucking stop it! What's up with this brutality?"
0: It was a little disappointing because Monzo. We've already established Monzo Turbo sucks, so. For him to, to you know, sort of cast all these judgments on Shino, he's slapping her around. He's calling her a tramp. He refers to her as, as damaged goods at one point, which is one of the most disgusting things uh, you could say about a person. Meanwhile, you've got Katsushiro and he's being a real hangdog about this. You know, he's moping and, and he feels bad about it, but there's no real accountability here. So I'm going to chalk that up to, to 16th century ignorance on this one.
1: Yeah. And Captain Kame is like, hey, Manzo, who did it? Who did it, man? Even though they fucking know it's Katsushiro and Manzu keeps his mouth shut. And I, I kinda got a little sense from Captain Kambi, I was like, oh, right, that's what I thought.
0: Well, I wonder if they knew, because leading up to the reveal, you know, when when Kamba is asking who did this, there there's a brief instance where I entertain the idea that they think maybe Kukichio did it. Maybe he got to be, you know, a brute, the sake's getting passed around and he got a little rough. So when they when the village finds out that it's Katsushiro, they soften up and they're like, hey, man, we're all going to fucking die tomorrow. The plane's going down. Let the kids have their fun. So I think they were expecting one thing. And when they found out it was another, they were a little more OK with it.
1: You know, actually, you're right. Because, yeah, because when Swordsman Skills, Kyuzo when he saw that Katsushiro and Shino are hooking up, Rich Kid, Katsushiro was like, why didn't you tell the other guys? He's like, do you want me to tell him? He's like, no. He's like, all right, well, then that's why I didn't fucking tell him. So, yeah, maybe the other guys didn't know. But then here comes uh, Rukichio and he's like, hey. Monzo, you fucking dick. It's just two kids in love. Why do you? We're all going to be like, why do you give a shit? It's not like the bandit stole your goddamn wife. He loves playing that bandit stole my wife card. It's a fresh card. Let him use it for a little while. I don't know. You got a feeling that this guy's like, hey, I'm third in line for Rice. So did the other two guys in front of me, did the uh, bandits take your wife? And it's like, fine, if fucking <laughs> get over it or something. I don't know. But the night is over, David. It is the next day. And as they're gearing up for battle... Like, you know, again, they're, like, really in tune with these dudes. Like, the we haven't talked about them a lot, but the second-in-command, Captain's pal, his name is... Shichiroji. Yeah, he's, like, they're, like, in tune with their farmers. They're, like, hey, our men are too tight. We got to, like, loosen them up, give them, like, uh, you know, a couple of battle cheers or whatever. And so Captain Kamba walks over to Katushiro, and he's, like, hey, Katushiro, we're expecting a lot out of you today, you know. Cause last night you became a man, uh, cause he fucked. And like, God, everyone <laughs> likes it. Everyone's like cracking up. Captain Kombai rules, man. Okay, he's nice. He's smart. He's wise. And he's not made out of stone. You make a joke, he'll laugh. He's just a he's just a good guy. But David, here come the bandits. It's time for our final action set piece, which I'm calling Samurai Showdown. You ever play that game? No, I never did. My character was Hanzo. David, this final battle fucking rules. Okay. Because, yeah, the action is not like very showy. We're not getting like a martial arts demo, right? This isn't like uh, Ray Park. You know, like, oh, wow, he can really swing around that lightsaber. But, David, it's in the rain here. It feels realistically dirty in a way that I kind of didn't expect from a 1954 movie. The 1950s were chock full of like war movies, right? World War II war movies. But at the same time, I don't know, there's something about this which just feels a little bit more raw than some of the U.S. war movies I've seen.
0: Certainly. And even in comparison to this movie itself, because, you know, talking about the further de of the battle where they go from at the beginning, they're letting one horse in, letting one person in. They're able to kill him. This one, they're just like, look, we're all tired. They're all tired. This is it. It ends today. There's 13 of them left. We're letting them all in and we're just going to make hay. And so this is, yeah, this is how you do it.
1: Yeah. And they're like, look, they're going to attack from every direction. That's how I would do it now. And so they're like running around the village, like east, north, west, south. They're just like, all right, we've got here. Let's go this direction now. And it's just, yeah, it just feeds in a sense of of chaos of the battle. David, at some point, like the leader of the bandits, he hides in this room or house that like a bunch of uh, women and children are hiding in. And he's got a musket. And so our heroes think that they've won. They're like, oh, I don't see any more bad guys By our account, there should be like two more, but I don't know where they are. In that moment, though, bang, we hear a gunshot ring out. David's skills, Master Swordsman Kyozo gets shot. This
0: felt like a cheat. You know, we're so close to the end. We've been playing by the rules of sword fighting. Here comes a musket. Kyuzo has a really awesome moment here. You know, it's kind of this subtle character moment where after he gets shot, he throws his sword kind of in the direction of wherever the musket fire came. It was like, you know what? I don't care if you shot me. That's not a hero's way to kill. So just for him to throw his sword as like a final salvo, that was very fitting and very cool.
1: He flails and it just gives a sense that his body just like stops working on him and he just hits the ground. And the fact that this is happening like in the rain and the ground itself, it's like not, you can't even really like see it. It's just because the rain is pouring so hard. The ground is kind of like TV static almost. It was just such like a brutal way to die. This was another markup moment for me. I know it sounds weird, but I literally, I got goosebumps when this dude died. And it's like, man, I'm not marking out, like cheering, like what an awesome moment. But the weight of the moment was so awesome that it took me over the top. It was a, a brutal death and, and man, especially cause you know, skills, what a, you, you don't expect him to go down. The, the dude's got the skills to, to rack up the kills, but now he, he dies, it's rough.
0: But you want to talk about the weight of this scene. So Kyuzo's gonna gonna get shot and he's gonna die and then that's going to set off Kikuchio and he's going to be furious. He's going to storm the shack with the bandit in there and he's also going to get shot. But much like Q, he's not going down like a chump. He's going to keep coming to the point where he breaks through the shack, he's been shot, he stabs the bandit with the spear. He makes sure the bandit dies before he goes. I hate to see Q go. I hate to see Kikuchio go. I hate to see them both go within the span of a few minutes, but at least they went out with heroes deaths.
1: Yeah, and the we- week Kikuchio died face down, ass up. David, it reminded me of the way I like to fuck. Um, no. <laughs> you know, <laughs> no, that's terrible. That's terrible because no, he does like, first of all, if you're a fan of Underbutt, uh, spe- specifically Toshiro Mufuni's Underbutt, this is the movie for you. Because this dude, I guess he's like thonging it or whatever, and his armor like covers like half his ass. So he's basically like bottom mooning it the whole time. It seemed like he had a pretty good set of buns too. We're launching our podcast, Bun Mountain. This is like a soft launch of Bun Mountain.
0: Yeah, this is going in something for the ladies.
1: (laughs) But no, David, to get serious for a moment, this death was fucking brutal. Because I think at some moment they're like, where's Kukichio? Did he live? And you look over and this dude is like sprawled on the ground. It's raining on him. His body is like filthy. The way his body fell down, it's not a pose I would call like dignified. But it's like, man, it's just fucking, that's how we fucking died. Because that's how we died. So again, just like some brutal deaths here, not glamorous at all. Like I feel like this movie with these last two kills really was like, hey, if you're going to enjoy this scene, you're also going to feel the full weight of these two characters' death. And when they realize that, hey, the bandits are dead, there's no more bandits to kill, Katushiro falls to his knees and, and cries. David, why do you think he cries there? Do you think it's the stress of the fight that it's over? I don't cuz I don't think he killed anyone. Do you think that's coming into play at all?
0: No, I think this is a cathartic cry. I think this is the end of Captain Phillips and Tom Hanks is safe and he is just going to let it all out. Uh, this was awesome. I mean like, you know, I know it's it's weird to say that a moment of crying at the end of a samurai movie is awesome, but like I've been there. I've had those feral cries where you're just like exhausted, you're run ragged, you're at your wits end, and then you happen to catch Dear Zachary on TV, and oh man, here come the waterworks. So like, this resonated with me. I was very much into Katsushiro's reaction.
1: Yeah, some real non-toxic masculinity in this
0: movie. It's surprising, man. But Mac, we're going to get to the epilogue. Our story is done. The village is once again at peace, and with the death of Yohei, it's addition by subtraction. Our three remaining samurai, Leader Kanbei, sidekick Shichiroji, and rich dandy Katsushiro are left to mourn the loss of their fellow samurai, but live to fight another day.
1: Man, this epilogue, equally fucking brutal. Because the three samurai, they're looking out over the villagers, and the villagers are happy, and Rikichi, you know, formerly crab-ass Rikichi, he's now like leading the, I guess, I don't know what you call it, a band, I guess, they're like playing like a drum beat. That the workers are kind of like working by, and it just seems like everyone's like real hyped up. Rich kid Ketushiro, he looks at it, Shino. Shino like looks at him for like half a second. She's like, nope, and like gets right back to work. Do you get a sense that she was like crying while she was working? Couldn't tell.
0: Not yes, I do. Uh, I got the sense that there was no relationship here. That they were going to keep living in awkward glances and you know passing by each other. But yeah, they're not they're not set up for romance in the long term.
1: And the samurai captain Kanba, he's just like staring out over the village, his job is done. And he kind of realizes like, oh, I'm useless. We did this thing and I have nothing to show for it. You know, he says to his pal, Shichirochi, who Shichirochi, by the way, like early in the movie, is like, well, we survived again. And He's like, yeah. But now uh, Captain Kambai says, like, this is another failure. His victory does not belong to us. It belongs to the villagers because David, they have nothing to show for it. And man, this was fucking interesting. Like the fact that I I almost wish like more action movies would have this kind of thing because it's like, all right, what's the result of all this? Like, you know, all this like fighting, all this combat, all this warfare, what do you have? And in some moments it's like, we have our home. But with these kind of like, you know, action heroes for hire, these, these seven samurai, seven Ronin or whatever, the fact that they came in, they won this great battle. They pulled off this amazing, they're like the Spartans from 300 on a lesser scale and uh, not as many cum gutters. <laughs> I don't have to make it gross. We're almost <laughs> done. We're almost done. <laughs> the fact that they took stock and like, oh shit, that was kind of almost for nothing. Oof, this is brutal, David. But for this movie to be able to
0: split those hairs, because on the one side of that coin you do have the villagers. They were dancing in the fields as they're you know, as they're harvesting, and I my first thought was, oh Mac loves cathartic dancing. This is gonna be great. But then to go from the villagers dancing to the three remaining samurai standing in front of the four graves you know at the top of the frame this is heavy this is this is an amazing way to end an amazing movie
1: yeah and i love cathartic dancing david but this music was bad it sounded like homework <laughs> like i was a musical anthropologist being like ah oh, yes before good music was created we had uh this but yeah man uh, a heavy moment for a heavyweight movie and that is the end of the seven samurai All right, David, let's mark off some circles on our giant map here. How many mark-out moments did you have? How many moms up in this bitch?
0: I had three moms. How about you?
1: I had two, David. David, is this someone's favorite movie?
0: Absolutely. Maybe not someone who listens to this show, but this is going to be someone's favorite movie. In fact, I had a flight of fancy thinking about the very, very cool person who saw this in the 1950s and was into it back then. And like, man, to see this movie in the 50s, I'll bet this was a fucking awesome flick so yeah i'll bet someone's a huge fan of this movie
1: i do wonder how this movie made its way over to the states i saw a little bit of information about that uh on wikipedia but i mean i do wonder if there was any sort of xenophobia aimed at the japanese coming from this greatest generation quote unquote thanks tom brokaw would you name him that but yeah david i also this is definitely got to be someone's favorite movie because this movie is fucking great all right david time for punch-ups David, we're the ultimate script doctors. Everybody knows that. How would you fix this top 20 sight and sound poll movie? How would you punch (laughs) it up? Because clearly, David, this movie has got a a lot of mistakes all over the place. Kurosawa, nice try, kid. Maybe one day.
0: No, Mac, I'm not going to fall for that trap. Kurosawa is a master. I'm not going to give him a single note. I'm going to save that for the person who directs the shot for shot remake I want of this movie. You know, we have the Magnificent Seven, we have the Dirty Dozen, we have movies that follow this type, but by doing that, you veer away from the source material. I want to honor this source material. I want to honor this movie as a, a movie about seven samurai who are hired to protect a village. So let's do a shot-for-shot shot remake. Let's hire modern actors. Let's use modern filmmaking techniques. Let's throw more blood in there. Like, I don't want to say replace the original Seven Samurai. I think this would serve as a companion piece. I think people watch the original and then say, oh, well, how would a modern version of that feel i just I, I just want it to exist so that's going to be my main punch up uh, i've got a couple of small ones one if we're seeing shino so much in this movie and and throughout the movie she's just she's not given agency she's you know gets her hair cut off by her father for fuck's sake let's make her a samurai let's let, let's have a, a hero's moment where you know a samurai gets killed and she picks up the sword and has a moment for herself i thought that would have been very satisfying my other punch up i already mentioned it i want Oscar Bait death scenes. I want either that or like a return of the Jedi ghost party at the end where we bring back all of our favorite samurai and we see them one last time. I felt robbed of of getting to say goodbye to these characters I spent three and a half hours with, so I would have liked one last moment with them.
1: That would have been great. David Well Rattle, let's give these dudes some lightsabers. Come on, George Lucas. <laughs> My main punch up, Yohai dies early in the movie. My second punch up, David, there's a scene, it's during a night attack, and Captain Kanbai is like, well, oh, those bandits are out there. And Katushiro's like, are they? Uh, yeah, here's, here's what we're going to do. Take some of that samurai armor that these villagers like stole off the dead bodies of samurai. Let's put it on a scarecrow, basically make a dummy. And now go over that tree and then like peek the dummy out. Katushiro does this. He takes the dummy. He peeks it out from behind the tree. And then sure enough, bang, bang, it gets shot twice by the bandits. So Captain Kamba was right. The bandits are still out there. But David, the reason why the bandits shot that dummy is because they thought it was a real person, right? Because it's at night. They can't see. They're like, oh, a real person's peeking out with shiny armor. Let's shoot him. If the bandits think the dummy is a person, I want to hear that dummy talk some shit. Just have him be like, <laughs> oh, those bullets can't hurt me. I'm still alive. Keep shooting, bitches. And then they'd be like, oh, the, we got to keep shooting. We didn't kill him. Those bullets must have hit a strong part of the armor. And they're just like machine gun shimming This dummy. The dummy's like, "Ah, oh, it turns out I'm immortal. I'm a fucking demon. I'm going to eat your heads. Like, turns out Katushiro's got like a real, everyone's like, oh, damn, Katushiro's so good at puppeting. I didn't know he could do voices. It just would have been a real moment for Katushiro to shine. Uh, I think it was just a huge mistake by Kurosawa, and I I hope he suffers greatly for it.
0: Now, I want to give some context to the listener. You should know that Mac's favorite Arrested Development character was Franklin. So every (laughs) idea he has is going to be puppet-centric.
1: I didn't give the puppet a racist accent.
0: (laughs) You just like puppets.
1: Sure. The racist ones. No, David, please, enough of this uh, hogwash. (laughs) Let's enter the Punch Mountain video store. (laughs) So, David, we have three copies of this movie and we have to stock it in the Punch Mountain Video Store. But as everyone knows, this is an all-action video store. So what subsections of action, what shelves would you put these movies in, put these copies in?
0: All right, my apologies if this Venn diagram feels like three circles on top of each other. But my first copy is going to go in Japan action. You know, this is an international entry from the country of Japan, so that'll be my first copy. Uh, second copy, Kurosawa. You know, he's going to get his own shelf, so... I mean, you figure if this is an action movie, certainly Hidden Fortress, certainly Throne of Blood. That's going to be at least three.
1: I'm good with a shelf for Kurosawa.
0: Third one, Samurai Action. I, 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 That's what it is. I don't know. There's other Samurai movies out there. Let's make a shelf for it.
1: Can't argue with those, David. I would add one more shelf, if we could, called Egghead Action. These are action movies, David, that you can watch and enjoy the action. But because they're so well done, it makes you seem smart. Uh, I don't watch uh, these dumb movies like... Uh, uh, Olympus Has Fallen. I'm a I'm an art house intellectual. So let us watch The Seven Samurai.
0: That's a very good one. In fact, it reminded me of, a, of another possible shelf that I had. It was going to be matinee action because this movie, like I said at the top of the show, I had a real hard time slotting this in to my schedule. Like this wasn't a Friday night date movie. This is the kind of movie, let's say you, you've had a hard week at work. Friday night, you go to bed early. You wake up Saturday, have yourself a nice early breakfast. Go out, get yourself a big chicken fried steak, whatever. Go catch an 11 a.m. Seventh Samurai. You're out in time for happy hour.
1: That sounds great. Okay, David, we've come down to it. It's now time to discover the position of the Seventh Samurai on Punch Mountain itself, the definitive ranking of action movies. But before the mountain thus spoketh to us, will hath spoken, spokeneth. Thus it will be spoken. Uh, Sure, one of those. Speak. Um, Where would you rank this movie? On Punch Mountain, David. And just to remind people, at the top right now, top four, Terminator 2, Judgment Day, Raid 2, The Matrix, and Jurassic Park. Hell, I'll give you a fifth one hard-boiled. At the base of mountain, 28 through 30, is Pastor 57, Deadly Prey, and the Poseidon Adventure. Ugh. And at the bottom of the mountain, where the only thing they're growing is disgusting millet. It's chappy the 31. So, David, where would you rank
0: this? At the beginning of this episode, I was a little worried. I was worried that this would be an afterthought. Not unlike The Dirty Dozen, which is also a great movie, but is a little light on action. My thought was that we were going to eventually one day create like a Mount Punchius, where we honor the forefathers of, of Punch Mountain. This movie's great. Talking about it really makes it a lot greater in my mind. This is solid. You know, the action itself is a little weak. The movie's a little long in the tooth. Some stuff doesn't quite work, but it's a stone cold classic. I'm happy to see it on the mountain. I'm happy with wherever it ends up. What about you? What, are you? what are you
1: thinking? Yeah, the movie takes so long to get to some action, but as I started to sync up with the rhythm of it and the brutality of the action scenes and how effective they are, and especially the characters, it started to rise up the mountain for me. I don't think it's gonna compete uh, for Space in the Top, despite what those uh, well-written magazine articles, uh, want how they wanna rank it. I don't think it could compete with those action movies that you'd, you'd kind of describe as like pure action. But, I mean, look, there's no doubting this thing is, is a great movie. And, uh, yeah, I, I'll be happy wherever it, it lands because I was just happy to watch it. Oh, no, David, look out. Here, Those rocks are falling off the face of the mountain. The golden letters are shining off. And the position of the Seven Samurai is revealed. It is now 16 on the mountain. That means 14 The Rock, 15 Pacific Rim, 16 Seven Samurai followed by Woman King Desperado and Top Gun Maverick. Again, David, I don't think The Mountain got this one wrong.
0: I don't think so either. I think The Mountain got it right by just having it on there. Like I said, this was probably the only way I was going to watch this movie. I hope this encourages other people to watch this movie. It is it is a very excellent use of three and a half hours.
1: David the other day I was questioning the mountain's judgment and then next thing you know I saw fox eating itself. I don't think that was a coincidence, David. No, the the, the mountain knows, Mac. <laughs> it's vengeful. This thing sucks. <laughs> Let's quit this thing. <laughs> David, you hear that horn?
0: Oh no, my millet.
1: <laughs> yes, that's your millet alarm. But it's also the sound that's a horn calling us to action, David, because in this podcast we talk a lot about fictional action heroes, but we also want to talk about real heroes taking action for vulnerable underserved or underrepresented communities. This month we're spotlighting the Anti-Defamation League a leading anti-hate organization the ADL's timeless mission is to stop the defamation of the Jewish people and to secure justice and fair treatment to all. Today, ADL continues to fight all forms of anti-Semitism and bias using innovation and partnerships to drive impact. After each episode this month, Punch Mountain will be making a small donation to the Anti-Defamation League. Also, for every review we get on Apple Podcasts, we'll add $1 to our donation. And hey, if it's a good review, we'll definitely read it on the air because we're like that. For more information about the Anti-Defamation League or to donate directly to them, visit ADL.org.
0: Folks, that's going to do it for episode 30, and that's going to do it for Punch Mountain. Don't forget to add us on social media. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Punch Mountain or drop us a line at punchmountain at gmail.com. MacBlakeComedy.com is your source for Mac stand-up. Next week from 2021 and directed by Navo Pubuchado. let's do Gunpowder Milkshake.
1: Oh, surprising, even though we, we said we were going to do it.
0: It's a goddamn blue shell pick. We're going back to regular programming. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.